right there. Blog Talk Radio. The Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. Fireinstitute.org. Now, on the show. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year, I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. No better angle for sure uh, than the one from behind. Reed. All this travel and playing and priorities in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruche. Great stuff. It's The Net Line right now. Oh, are we on? We are? I'm just checking. Sibilance. Sibilance. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. It is Monday, April Fool's, I guess, right? April Fool's today. I was thinking we should just tell everyone we were having a show, we were going to have John Sprawl on, and then maybe not do it. Ha ha. Folks, funny. He still may not be on. He hasn't got on yet. That's true. We'll see. Maybe, maybe his texting me saying he was going to be on was actually part of the April Fool's, April Fool's joke. Well, welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. We've had kind of a light schedule lately. That leaves us a lot to talk about. And the biggest story we've been waiting for here in the United States in regards to the national team programs has finally taken a turn and happened. John Spraw named head volleyball coach for the men's national team one week ago, as we all had hoped four years ago and this entire winter. What took so long? I mean, I I don't follow the indoor game very well, especially, you know, during yeah. the off years. I mean, in, uh, obviously around the Olympics, it's it's higher on everybody's radar, but everybody knew, even I knew, that John Sparrow was involved with USAV, with the Olympics, with Hugh, with Allen's team. You know, he's been, he's been a guy around that, that program for quite a while now. Why did it take so long that he finally, because the way that I heard it told and Jeremy may know, cause he was on the conference call was that it just sort of popped up a couple of weeks ago. Right. Isn't that what he said? It, on the came, call? Back. it came back. It didn't just come up. It, it came back. It seemed. Yeah. I'm sure they approached him after this quad and he was, uh, you know, looking at UCLA, making a move, and I think making that brand-new move and doing the head coaching for the men's national team to start off would have been difficult. I think he needed some time at UCLA to figure out if he could manage both, and he felt that way, and it kind of came back up again and kind of worked out. I think that's what it was. If if I had to guess, I would say that it finally became you know, obvious to Dan Guerrero, the AD at UCLA, that they can do this. You know, He can do both type of a thing because – I agree with you, Barney. Like, um, like you said, it, it wasn't the first time it came up. It can't be the first time it just came up. Right? Oh no way! No, there's been there's been talks forever with John Spraw about this head position, and good that it finally happened. So we will have John Spraw right here on the program. We'll have College Volleyball Weekly. We'll have Mike and Jay checking in to give you the update on the men's collegiate season as we near the end. We will have coaches' corner 
Right, Jeremy? Correct. And we're going to have to post a photo of my shirt today, too. And in honor of Coach's Corner, we will have, uh, we'll have Katie Charles. Correct. From Kenyon College. It's not near Uganda. It's not. It is not. According to your shirt. According to the shirt Uganda. I'm currently wearing. Correct. Kenyon College is not near Uganda. You have to know some geography. I want somebody joke. on the chat room to tell me where it is. I know where it is. I just want to see if anybody else knows where it is. All right. On the chat board, where is Kenyon College? How quick are your Google skills? Gambier, Ohio? Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was quick. Sean, Sean on the chat room was fast. That's like Columbus, middle of the state. Wow. I mean, we're getting right into it. He's like Google Maps. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he went there. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, I need to get from here to Corona <laughs> in the middle of the day. What freeway do I take? I was, I was impressed. I thought yeah, it would take quick. a while. No, Katie Charles, fans out there. All right, so there's our lineup for today. And I think after John's Pro, we're going to have plenty to talk about. There's going to be a lot of different places I think to leap off, and uh, and go. John, my my initial thought with John in getting that job was, hey, the assistant coaches are going to be critical in both programs. Yes, and especially if he's doing double time, right? I mean, with UCLA half the time, and yeah, that's not really going to happen. That was one of the things John said: is that because the schedule is changing a little bit, they're moving the World Championships, the end of the year event, back into September, August, September, gives them more time rather than November. Oh, all of a sudden here, there's not really as much of a conflict as there was before, and that that push has been going on for a long time because of the professional leagues. They were having to start their season for three weeks, four weeks then give up their best players to the national teams for two weeks or three weeks and then have to come back and start again. And it just presented a really difficult situation for the, for the uh, professional teams, for the national teams, because you had to break camp, then come back together for a short amount of time and go play for a world championship. So they've switched that now. That now comes at the end of the summer. So you have a solid training block as a national team. Hit the end of the summer, go through your world championships, and John can come right back. He might miss a week, two weeks, and especially for men, that that's inconsequential. He's not going to have a lot of free time, that's for sure. That is 100% true. His <laughs> new hobby is the national team. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. But he is getting two full-time assistant coaches, which is right. New. We know one. Yes, we do. That it's been a, it's been announced. He said it on the call. He, yeah, he so announced it. He can. I mean, okay, Matt Furbringer. Call, correct. I've heard who the second one is. Not a fit. Maybe he'll break it on the show today. We'll ask John first before I reveal the yeah. name that I yeah, as you know. That's, that's called responsible journalism, Kevin. We will talk to John. If John doesn't say it, I'll threaten him that I will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I actually text Matt right after. Uh, the call I've kind of heard before, but then when John said I knew it was official, so I hit Furby up. Come, congratulations. He's excited about it. Um, congratulations on your retirement, Matt Furbringer. Yeah, because he is no longer playing uh, beach volleyball. Is that official? That's what he told me. Really? So I'm, make, I'm making it official right now. It's quite the Breaking change. news on the Night Live. Breaking news, yeah. I talked to Matt two, three weeks ago, and he said, we're training. I wish the season had started. I'm ready. Well... Not only was changing those plans. Not only was he training, but I saw uh, Scott Davenport, who we, him and Nick had been training with, and apparently Furby has been playing the best that anybody has seen him play almost his entire beach career. Oh, good. He had been training against good Dylan time. Rosie, and he was just <laughs> Furby said he was feeling good, everything was right, but you got to make money, right? Yeah, I, I've seen him down there playing against Phil and Rosie quite a bit. So that, that was surprising. I know that he's been doing the volunteer job though with. Spraw's team at UCLA, 
And obviously he has the juniors thing he's been doing for a little while. So that's, that's kind of surprising. It seems like it's uh, came up pretty quick, right? You, all of a sudden he was a volunteer assistant. What's the opportunity that you think you're going to get from being an, a volunteer assistant? In my mind, it's more of like, oh, we're going to check it out, see how this goes. Is this coaching thing really for me? Yeah. Is this what I want to do after I stop playing? It's not necessarily in three months I'm going to be an assistant on the national team. Full-time. Yeah, full-time. Well, yeah. I mean, Matt Furbringer, four-time All-American in college, right? So he went from high school, left into college, and immediately was at the top level. So why yeah. not do the same with coaching? <laughs> why not? Yeah. Why not? I guess so. I told Matt that it was it was a good run for him on the beach. I was there. His first year on the beach was my first year. So really? I was there his entire 2001? No. Two? Well, his first real year on the beach was 2003. Three. Okay. Yeah, I know because he was playing. Yeah, he was still playing indoor back right around. Him and Casey Jennings made century. the finals in their first tournament together against Benoit and Dax Holdren, and lost. Lost in three, and then went to proceed to like make seven more finals right. over the, and lost all, all of them. Yeah. and finally yeah. broke through. And it was like I'd never seen two guys more happy in my life. They played together for a while. Yeah. Like, they were so excited, like, Casey just started sprinting around the court. Matt's looking for somebody to hug. <laughs> Casey's just running around like a crazed man. It was hilarious. Yeah, I remember that stretch where we were watching him on TV. We go, come on, win a final. And I watched a couple of events, and I'm watching another time where they're going down. I'm going, really? Again? Well, it can't co- get it done. Coincided, too, with Karen Misty being yeah. full-time domestic. And so there was a tournament where Karen Misty didn't make the finals. And Casey and Furby did. We're like, okay, this is the one. Because now it's different. Carrie's not in the final. She didn't win. So now it's Casey's turn. He still didn't win that one. Ugh. But they got they got there eventually and ran off some. They, they did. Yeah. They did. a long partnership. Fun to watch them. Congratulations on a great career, Matt Furbringer. Congratulations on your new career, Matt Furbringer. We'll get him here on the show in the next couple of weeks. Yes, yeah, what's, we uh, what's Ferb's experience level as a player internationally? I know on the beach, but did he play He indoor? came to the national team for a second. Went on a couple of tours. Uh Ferb's never really had the tools to play at that level, and it wasn't it wasn't his understanding of volleyball. It just it was his power. I think that that was what better suited him for the beach game is that you could shoot the ball around. You didn't have to beat it to death. Oh, you mean on the national team? Yeah, Matt Furbringer never known for his heat on the outside. Um, he did stuff down Mark Paului for the NCAA championship, though. Paul Paul. Paul Neapoli, sorry. Paul Neapoli. Paul Louie, I think a different guy. Yeah, yeah. my bad. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he lacked that. But he played overseas a number of years. Uh, saw him several times overseas. Played well. Played for a team in Vienna. Played for a team in Spain. He was a good international player. But national team just kind of, you know, here for, there for a bit and then gone. Uh, obviously been a great beach professional for, what, 12 years? Something like that. Uh, yeah. 10 years. Oh three, you said ten years. Oh three was really his whole first time. Full. So nine, ten years yeah. of a whole other rebirth and uh, career, and that's awesome. Won some FIVB events, but he's gonna have to re-educate himself with the international game today. It's not that different. I mean, volleyball is volleyball on some level, but he's gonna have to learn the players, the ins and outs of the teams, get back to the schedule. Although he has some familiarity with the schedule and yeah. the way it works. It's not that different if you've done it a few times as a player. Uh, so I. I don't have very many concerns about Furbringer and having talked to a couple of people about that selection, because you wonder about the age, right? He's going to be coaching players that he's been in the gym with at yeah. some point. And you want, you wonder about that, but everybody seems pretty positive about Ferb's uh, demeanor 
about Ferb's dedication as as a professional and about his his approach to things. And I think that's uh, that's all good. Well, I think Ferb's the kind of guy too that all these other guys in the gym, whether they played with him before, maybe older than him, I don't know. They respect him as a player. I would think because he's as done, a person. Yeah, yeah, as a person, he's done all that stuff as a player. Like he knows what these guys have gone through, all those things. And he went to Stanford, so he's a smart dude. He's gonna figure it out. Oh yeah, no, I, I think it's Ferb's work ethic too. People know that he he's thoughtful and diligent about the way he approaches things, and I, I think that will shine through. Uh, and really, it's only a couple of guys. Most of the younger guys know Matt Ferbringer, the professional beach player. They're gonna have to get used to Matt Ferbringer as the assistant coach. coach yeah. Correct. And it's up to Matt to prove his capabilities and his competence in that arena. I expect he will do so. And I'd like to see the new blood. I, this is kind of the discussion you get into. Is he too young? Is it too soon for him to be in that gym? Has he risen too quickly? To your point, Dustin. Uh, but the other side of that is I want to see new blood yeah. in these programs. I like the Tom Black selection. Yep. I like the Matt Furbringer selection from that aspect of let's get in some new people. Yeah. You know, let's not have Flip Saunders get yet another job. Let's not have Marty Schottenheimer get yet another job. Yeah, North Turner. There's North the, Turner. Yeah, I talked know, about this. That kind of thing. I think it was in regards to Tom Black. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago was sometimes there just needs to be a kind of a cleansing, right? It's just a coaching carousel for so long, no matter what the sport. And you get, like you said, <laughs> Flip Saunders being talked about for the University of Minnesota job, actually. Yeah. It's just, you know. Enough. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. Don't bring Larry Brown back again. <laughs> He'll take the job. He's actually coaching a small school right now. Fine. Larry Brown is in college. Fine. Don't bring him back for the latest project in the NBA. Yeah. So, but same I, thing. I'm excited. It'll be, and they, I imagine they sign on as an assistant as well for the quad, right? Like this is your He's Olympic full time. I don't know if you have a two year contract or even a four year contract. Bottom line is, if you're not doing the job, they'll dismiss you. Mm-hmm. That like any. whether you have a contract or not, it's not like it's guaranteed money. You're still an at will employee, but I the expectation is they're going to be there for four years. That's the expectation. Now we've had assistant coaches that we've gotten rid of. Brad Sandin got rid of him and brought in Hugh McCutcheon halfway through from '02 to '04. And when Barney says we, he really means him. Yeah, that seemed to work out pretty well. I'm glad someone made that decision. Uh, you know, yeah. Brad Sandin didn't bring a lot to the national team gym that was positive. Hugh McCutcheon, on the other hand, I thought brought a lot. You think? And Hugh McCutcheon, here was a guy, <laughs> here was a guy, again, young, Yeah. right? About the same age as a lot of us. Yeah. Close. Brought in as an assistant. What would be the effect of that? Hugh's personality blended very well with that. When they looked at Hugh, I sat in the meetings after 04 when they were talking about who should be the next head coach. Mm-hmm. Doug was already CEO. Mm-hmm had moved on, and the question came to Hugh, and my comment was, if Hugh can make that leap and separate himself in a way that you have to if you're the head coach to be the bad guy, to make those tough decisions, then he'd be great. And Hugh proved that. So I I think that they feel comfortable with that process, and will you see Matt Furbringer, head coach of the national team, in 2020? Or 2024? Why Maybe. Not? Yeah, why not? Possible. Yeah. Well, entirely possible. Sparrow's still pretty young, too. He's 40. Yeah, I mean... I, I think know. this I, is eight years. Yeah, that's what I was just, just going to say. I don't know how you... It depends. Obviously, it's a... Don't have kids, John. <laughs> there's a quad to, to check it out, right? How, however, it happens over the next three or four years with Rio, but... Assuming things go to plan, why not eight years? I want eight years out of John. Anything less is unacceptable. 
Man. Hope, hope John's listening. Yeah, talk about his his <laughs> ascendance too to this. I mean, it wasn't quiet. It's not like nobody saw it coming. But for him to go from, you know, really resurrecting that UCI program and bringing them their first national championship in any sport. Uh, if you're resurrecting something, it would have have to have been alive I before. I guess so. Yeah. He would be erecting, wouldn't he? <laughs> I guess. I don't or know about that. Drink. <laughs> drink. <laughs> yeah, I mean. We're talking about building buildings here, guys. Yeah. yeah oh, I don't sorry. know what you're thinking about. Right. But he, I mean, he, he built that program. How about that? Absolutely. Well, I, I don't know. I mean. He did. Charlie Brand had a, a, a nice little little program, but, Hold but on. John really brought it to national prominence. Okay. How keep many, going. Did he win three out of the six years he was there? Is that what the, he was there 10 years. He won three in six. Three and six. That's yeah. Right. It took him a little while to build it up. Who's calling yeah. the show right now? I don't know. Who's Speaking of calling the show, nobody calls. My you know house. who I want to hear from? Who's that? Is Reed. I want to hear his Reed take. Who? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a guy. Yeah, I'd like to hear his. He's take in Turkey. Too. He's in Turkey, I believe. Yeah. And if I'm correct, saw a tweet today. They won the Champions Cup or something. Some cup. They won no something. Turkish Cup. Turkish Cup. So is he going? So they'll be in Champions League next year, which means Reed's possibility of staying where he's at has just increased immensely. Nice. And he'll be putting more laws into effect in that country. <laughs> he will be legislating. Yes. Turkish Cup champions. There's a picture of his team with a turtle of some kind, like a turtle mascot. Yeah, what's with the turtle? I don't know. That's why we need to hear Is that ring. turtle sponsored by Audi? Is that? Uh, I don't know. But that probably does that say turtle in Turkish? I don't... Misty May? No. Good, no. Good though. And Brooke Billings also on the bronze medal uh, team over there in Turkey. A lot of Americans nice. making way abroad. I know that Donald Sujo's team is playing in a similar cup in Argentina. The Rabbit Cup. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> this is the Turtle Cup. Turtle Cup. Rabbit Semi-finals, cup. yeah. Sounding like uh, Super Mario all of a sudden. Could be, yeah. <laughs> this is Toad and then uh, <laughs> the Mario Cup. We have Donald Sujo, yeah. So I'm the best. <laughs> good to see that uh, some of the players that we're talking about from that national team are making news, not just the coaching. They're not making it easy for me here on UC Irvine to find their old records. I need their media guide. Last John, when he comes on. Well, hey, how terrible was I want to see before you got there. Before he gets there. <laughs> Remember when you showed up at that college? How yeah. bad were they? Yeah, yeah. They, well, Irvine was a was one on your schedule you could pretty well count on. That was the case. Andy Reid, coach, when I was being recruited in for the Eagles, ninety-five. Different Andy Reid. No, my bad. And I'll leave, I'll leave something behind there. And that program at that time was struggling. They, they had Chris Harger, who played on the national team for a while. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was 80 feet tall. They had John Hoven, some junior college guy out of Palomar, I believe, who don't, then went to... Don't know him or where that is. Yeah, he played opposite for them. And that was about it. That was all they had. You could pretty well count on a victory if you were playing against UC Irvine. Cherish is. Uh, my, my era, they had some good players. They weren't. They weren't. They were not a doormat. No, but they okay. weren't. They weren't a national powerhouse just yet. But but I they mean, were on the upswing. Some of the guys that are playing on the beach, like Ty Loomis, and um, who else went to Irvine Marchuka? Russ. Yeah. Russ Marchuka. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some of the guys that are still actually out there on the beach. So if allegedly. Allegedly. Well, they're out there. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, they're. There. Yeah. I was on the beach the other day too. Yeah. I don't know if that means anything. I like what Dustin said earlier that he'd seen Phil and Todd play a lot earlier this year. Like, yeah, where have you been? been? You've been at the beach. Training yeah. down the beach. Yeah. They look good. They were doing a photo shoot for Easy Reader down here in the South Bay. Yeah, for the photo, not an article. In their uh, Under Armour gear. I I heard more about that. Yeah. I think uh, I think they uh, 
Obviously, they have a deal with Under Armour, mm-hmm. and I think Under Armour is going to start making boardies. Four years. It's a four-year deal, from what I heard. Is yeah. that the next great innovation in the world of sports clothing that I keep hearing about in their commercials? No. Board shorts? No, no. So I hope so. <laughs> You've seen that commercial, yeah. Yeah? yeah? Well, when that lady like types something into her forearm, and it like yeah. your whole suit digitally lights up. Like I don't know... Either my suit's going to digitally light up, or I'm about to be out of time, and I'm going to be yeah, dead. And just you're, you're you better run fast. Yeah, yeah. Run Jerry, quick. I think, I think I remember where you heard that um, fact about Under Armour, actually. Was I with you? That was, yeah, we were together. We were. Where were we? That was last Sunday. Were uh, we in Fontana? We were on our way to Fontana. On our way to Fontana? For the NASCAR event. NASCAR? Is that the, like, is that motor? Moto? Yeah, it was X motorsports. Games? What's that, what's that was, sport called? You need the R if you're talking about cars. Oh, my motor. Bad. Motor cross. No, no they motocross, motorsports, motorsports, motor 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 auto club. NASCAR. Look at you guys catching on. Yeah, the Auto Club 400, 200 laps, Barney. Did you know that? 200 laps, a lot of left turns, 400 miles, 400 miles. Which you think, oh my God, we're gonna be here all day long. Yeah, would it take a couple hours? Yeah, they they're because they're driving really fast. They're really fast, and uh, we didn't really notice much because thanks so much to Molly Menard and family and team, we were treated uh, very generously. And basically ruined our NASCAR experience for the rest of our lives because right. we'll never equal what we just experienced last week. The only way my NASCAR experience can get better than it was this time is if I'm literally in the car with the drivers. Just like sh- riding shotgun and or driving. Let yeah. them ride shotgun. You could do it too. if you're out there swapping paint with Tony Stewart. Oh yeah. Speaking of which, that fight happened literally yeah. ten feet in front of us. Yeah. Do you have pictures? I do have a picture of the car. With the missing bumper. Someone throwing a slap punch? Did not see that. I was, just, threw, I was busy watching it. He threw a water bottle. Well, Lugano threw a, lo- a water bottle back at Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart kind of came over with like an overhand right. And Whoa. he was held back by some of the pit crew because the pit guys are ginormous. Yeah. They look like dudes. In shape, linemen. like workout. Yeah. They look yeah. like NFL linebackers. They're huge. And that guy is just standing behind a car and he's got like a... And it looks like an apron, but it's a heat shield just in case, you know, because he's the gas man in case it ignites and just, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to do this real fast. Sorry about that. And they're there, yeah, they're 6'6", 270. The guys are huge, holding back Tony Stewart right in front of us. And work out a lot, like on purpose to be fast. The picture's a big deal. So many things impressed me about that event. But one of the things was literally, what do you say, 10 minutes after the race was over, all of the cars were in the back of the trucks, and those trucks were like, all right, we're out of here. Yeah. They yeah. went to the next event. Yeah. Obviously, they had this weekend off, but they're like, okay, we're gone. Yeah, they, you know, they drive it right in. It goes, the car goes above the trailer, and then downstairs in the trailer is where everybody hangs out, and like, we got to hang out for a little bit. Where we were sitting, they, How were, was they were taking it down while we were still sitting in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We How sat was... behind the, the crew chief, which is... Could have tapped him on the shoulder, Kevin. Yeah. You need to put that picture on yeah, our Facebook page. Okay. You guys yeah. enjoying... I race. wanted to put the one that I sent you, but because it was a good picture of Dustin and I, but I was flicking you off, yeah. so I can't really put that on the Facebook a... page. Okay, I must Kevin. have missed that part. I think it was cropped. Uh, I looked up the records here. Go back to it. To my point, starting in 1988, it's the beginning of the UC Irvine program. Seven and 18, seven and 25, eight and 14, five and 16, five and 19, two and 20 consecutive mm. seasons, 93 and 94. Then in 95 and 96, 9 and 13, 8 and 17. Those are the seasons that I faced off uh, with these guys. I guess, no, 97, probably 96, 97. So it would be 8 and 17 and 6 and 18. Hence my view of UC Irvine. Then they were 9 and 15 and 98. Then they get a little better. Dustin, that's closer to your era here. 14 and 11, 
10 and 17, 13 and 13, 12 and 17. Okay, so they're not a doormat. Right. But they're, they're winning not some great. games. No. They they're, were, yeah, but they're making the they're qualifying for playoffs. Right. But now John has taken over, right? So it's 10 years that John is at this program. So we're saying 02? We should probably do some research on that. 02, I imagine, is the year because I know he was there 10 seasons. I'm efforting. <laughs> 12, 17, and 02. 20 and 11 the following year in 03. 14 and 18 in 04. Then 05. John, what happened? 9 and 20. 9 and 20. He was sick. He took it on the chin, and you may see this pattern with the national teams. We'll talk to John about this. It was a big part of his his uh, press conference. It was talking about development of young players. That could have been 2005. UC Irvine goes 9 and 20. They go 7 and 15 in the MPSF, and they that's not a good season. However, he took it on the chin that year because of the very next year, 27 and 5. Loses in the national championship game. Uh, it says second, so I'm, I'm assuming he loses in the national championship game. Or they forfeited. Yeah. 2007, 29-5. Wins the national championship. First one for UC Irvine. I, here's a question I would like you to ask Sprawl when he's on the show. Yes. When you take over a program that has no history, how do you build, like, how do you convince kids, like, look, we're going to be good? Why don't you ask him? That's what, no, well, Kevin's the professional. He's wearing the headset today. Yeah. And I still have the mics. Well, how do you build a, how do you about, build a culture? When how about, yeah, exactly. John, you took, you took over a program with no history. Yeah. Now you've taken over two programs with history. Correct. UCLA and Which the one, National What's team. more pressure? <laughs> Maybe. What are, what, are the different, what are the challenges that are different when you're following greatness? Hmm. Yeah, but to me, I always, I always expected John to go to UCLA. It just made a lot of sense because it was like the – you remember when Roy Williams coached at Kansas forever and then Dean Smith retired from North Carolina and Roy, yeah. Roy Williams came up as, a, as an assistant under Dean Smith and there was a lot of – And he said he wasn't going. said he wasn't going and then he finally went because – and I just remember he said this in his press conference. It's, you know, it's always been North Carolina. They've always been the number one job for me. And I kind of feel that no matter what job John had and he made a great thing at UC Irvine – uh, you know, he was always a Bruin. And that's that's still the most historic program in, you know, men's college volleyball. So I thought that it was sort of a foregone conclusion. I wonder who that second assistant is going to be with him. I wish. If we don't get a name from him, I'll throw the name out there. Okay. I, I think it's an interesting pick. People are going to have to do a little research. People are going to wonder. But the name I've heard, I know him a little bit. I like it. Okay. Yes, it's a him. It's not her. Andrea Becker not taking over the men's national team yet. Yet. I'm sure she will be involved. I like Andrea Becker, by the way. Talked to her several times at UCLA games. Really like her. A lot. She's the mental coach? Yes. Yeah, she's a psychologist. I found it really interesting. She's a good, good conversation. Some of the younger players that... John mentioned in the conference call that because somebody sort of asked him like, who are you looking at or who, yeah. who, who, who's playing today or something that, you know, you think of or, or something along those lines. And he, he had a couple, you know, a couple that he'd coached, a couple that he coached against that are in college right now. So I thought that was pretty interesting because it does, not only is it kind of a changing of the guard with the coaching staff, but 
we're also sort of getting to a time where there's, in my mind, a big chasm between the younger players on the national team and the older players. There's not a lot in the Huge. middle. Right, because there's a like, lot of guys have hung on. Right. There's a lot of guys that have hung on, and they're Reed. on the, Reed, Reed and Donald, right, on the upper end. Clay. Right. And then there's the younger guys, the Matt Andersons. Right. That that age. So it's it's going to come in, and especially, I think, in Rio, it's going to come in heavy on the youth side of things. And that's what John talked a lot about in his press conference, and we will talk to him after the break here on the Net Live. Is the youth movement. That's why I think that UC Irvine record might be indicative of what you'll see on the national team. Maybe your expectations should be lowered a bit record-wise for the next couple of years with the expectation that in the last two, some things are going to happen. Not the last two, the more important, like the first two are going to be him figuring it out, right? Absolutely. Yeah, so. Absolutely. No pressure for me. For me. <laughs> no pressure. No for pressure. you. No pressure. It did come up like, should I be on his staff as well? Like, think about how good they will be in practice if I'm providing dope beats. Yeah, just in the gym. In I mean, the it would help me. Music makes Anaheim. a difference. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I'm all, I don't know what kind of funding they have, but I'm all for being on the staff. They right need that the and a basketball hoop because that's the best ever warm-up. Just throw down mad jams, go out and spike some balls. I can Love dunk. that warm-up. I can dunk, too. You can? Yeah. yeah. With a volleyball. You can't palm. Yeah. There's I can't palm the basketball. basketball. And you can't dunk two-handed. First of all, Kevin. The mechanics of dunking two-handed, there's no way. You're five foot four. I don't like that you doubt me. Let's move on. <laughs> we'll be right back with John Spraw here in the Net Live in just a second. Thanks for listening on Monday. Welcome back to the Net Live here on April Fool's Day. And we're not fooling you. We've got a good show. I want to make sure we thank our sponsors, Aspire Institute, 
American Volleyball Coaches Association, Volleyball Mag, for hosting our site and the support of you, the listener. Thanks for ordering T-shirts. I think T-shirts still available, Jeremy. Just a couple, though. Not there are many. a few left. Yeah, they're on sale. We're out of some sizes, but there are still a few left. Vala Clothing, V-A-L-A, clothing.com is where you can find your NetLive T-shirts. And if you want them, this is it. We're not printing them again. Get them while you can. New items soon, but there are just a few left. All right, let's bring in our first guest. We need some good music for this one. And it might have to go on a while because I have a list that's only getting longer. This guy graduated from UCLA in 1995 and then embarked on his coaching career. Spent 12 seasons at UCLA as a coach in one manner or another before venturing out on his own. He transformed UC Irvine into a national powerhouse. Three national championships in the past six years, including last year. 199 wins versus 106 losses at Irvine, and then he decided that he would replace a legend. Became just the second coach in program history for the UCLA men. But you know what? That challenge wasn't enough for this ambitious 40-year-old. He decided he wanted to take over another program with a storied history and a few world championships. Decided to become the head coach of the men's national team. In addition to his UCLA job. So his new hobby is a good one, and it'll take up his summers. Please welcome to the Net Live once again, John Spraw. John. Thanks for having me. Oh, we need a little volume there. Oh, there you go. How you guys doing? We're good. We're good. good. Nice to hear from you. And, and, John, congratulations on this position that we all felt you should have when the discussion turned to who should be the next head coach of the national team. But I don't think – Everyone knows how this first fell apart and then came back together. How did it? Right. How did this all happen again? Uh, that's a really good question. It, uh, you know, we discussed the dual role, whether a college coach could be coaching the, a university and the national team maybe, I don't know, a year ago, somewhere between a year ago and eight, eight months ago. So. Uh, and it was determined at that time that it wasn't possible. I think there was two different people who were involved in that. I think Doug really felt, uh, I'm getting some really, really feedback. Is there anything you can do about that, Bart? Uh, yeah, we're, I think we're working on it here. We can't hear you all that well here in the studio. We're going to continue to work on it in studio here. We'll see if it gets any better. <laughs> if you want to hang up and call right back, we could try that one. Seriously? Yeah. See if that helps. Okay. It's an internet right. show. Sometimes this garbage happens. Okay. All right. I'll call you right back. Okay. All right. So John Spraw will call us right that back. That was John Spraw. <laughs> <Yeah, which laughs> great USA, interview. That was a solid interview by us. Best interview we've had. What the heck is going on? Blog Talk it's Radio? Blog Talk. Did you turn off the Wi-Fi? Yeah. Okay. I'm panicking. Well, we'll see if uh, if John calls right back. That's all right. That before joke. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Suck great. It, suck it, everybody. Uh, great interview. I hope Jay Hossett got all the questions answered that he wanted. <laughs> everybody, everybody listening was getting some echo as well, so I don't know. If we can, uh, I don't know. Help Joe. that out. All right. Let's see if we can uh, bring him back. <laughs> all right. You want to go through your whole 10 minutes? No, I don't. <laughs> Are you sure? We'll just replay that. Okay. All right, John. Yes. You there? Yes. Yeah. Is that any better? It is a little better. It was a little hard there for a little bit because I could hear my voice about two seconds after I was talking. I was really confused myself there. That <laughs> happened to me for for one of your matches. That happened to me. And, and there is a point they say where if you have an echo, if it's a certain amount of time after you speak, it will actually shut you up. And oh. so, I don't know. It's a very, very odd thing. Was that on purpose? Yeah. yeah thanks. Yes. I appreciate it. 
They were trying. Okay, so John, continue. So so Doug was yeah, yeah. thinking it wasn't possible. Dan Guerrero was perhaps thinking it wasn't possible. Right. I think both people felt like there was going to need to be a full time effort in in each endeavor, and and I respected that. And and in respect to UCLA, I don't think they were wrong. I think they needed somebody to come in here and give it their full attention. Uh, gosh, I'm still getting it. Tell you what. I'm going to call you right back on my assistant coach's landline. Let's see if that, if that, if that works, okay? Okay. Yeah, very good. Okay. All right. Hold on a second. <laughs> you know, again, April Fool's. Right yeah. now, Cam Kerr is in Toronto, like, just pulling his hair out, saying, why won't you listen to me? I have listened to him. No, I, I listened to him, too. He uh, he treated dinner in Toronto a couple weeks ago, which was fantastic. Oh, you did see him when you were there. did see him, awesome. yeah. Had, uh, had did he dinner. tell you that the show sucks because audio issues? And when you he did. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> well, he expressed his willingness to help, so I always appreciate that versus the just you suck angle. Yes, landlines <laughs> are always 100% better. They are, and hopefully that will improve. Hopefully it's not just our connection. The thing is, week to week, if you're a listener to this program, we don't change the technology week to week. I'm wearing a headset, but that by no means is affecting... What's going on on the soundboard? It's uh, just the instability of the Internet sometimes. So John will – apparently he's dialing the access code. Maybe there's a 10-pin code you have to it's dial so you have a long rotary. distance. Over yeah. there at UCLA. <laughs> yeah, he's in a well, – All the just, money went to the new Pauly Pavilion. Yeah, he's at a payphone now. <laughs> he, has to, he has to find one first. All right, we have to play that song on the way in then. Can I get a little Adam Levine if he's now on the payphone? Don't start requesting. <laughs> Jerry, wait, do you don't like Adam Levine? Come on, Maroon 5? My, my boys hate that song. The question is, which one of Spira's uh, assistants is getting booted out of their desk? Right yeah. You, get out. <laughs> Whichever one he wants. Yeah, that's right. The funny thing on his uh, conference call that he had uh, when US, or USAB was announcing it, um, he was saying that he has a secretary at UCLA but doesn't know what to have her do. He's like, I haven't asked her to do one thing since I've been there. I don't There's know so what. many people? Yeah, he's like, I don't know what. Is it so like Grace a, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off? She's pulling pencils out of her hair? I, that's funny. Grace. 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 Uh, uh, uh. Oh. You know, that that whole scene, Yeah. first of all, wasn't in the script. I think they kind of ad-libbed it. And it's a scene stealer. Like, those two characters are, are minor characters to the plot, but they are awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. That movie is un, unbelievable. You were in Chicago a couple of weeks ago, weren't you? Last week till awesome. Saturday. Oh. Yeah, spent the whole week in Chicago downtown. Stayed at the Fairmont, beautiful overlooking Millennium Park, and had a chance to do the whole museum thing with the boys. Did you do the Cameron Fry thing in the museum with the, the in, Syrah, the, in the, the art museum? Yeah, I wanted to. I watched <laughs> it. We, it's one one place we didn't get to was the uh, Institute of Art. Yeah, but I, I did want to film my kids and us doing that whole yeah. thing. The three of us lined up. Exactly. And, then the shot of the Monet, and then my, you know, my yeah, eyes, yeah. and then, yeah, that would have been awesome. I think the chat room's on delay too because they're now commenting on some, the internet, some comments that we made, and it's, it was a little while ago, so there must be a little bit of uh, what on earth is going in. Maybe you know, let's try try dialing John. Get on the Skype there, and we will try oh, dialing boy. John himself. Let's give this a shot because we're we're killing time here on what should be the interview of the century. This is not going to work. I'll tell you that right now. All yeah, right. that's big time. This is a big time poll right now for the uh, net live, and we are just this is disturbing, stumbling all over it. It is April Fools. It so is. Maybe this is our big joke. Yeah, maybe that's Blog Talk Radio saying, uh, "Yeah, you actually can't host a program today." Um, see if you can. Uh, I don't know how to operate. Add that. to conversation. 
This is great radio, us trying to dial Skype. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know what's going to happen. It's just going to boot us off, and the show's going to be over. Well, it was a good run. That's okay, too. <laughs> Whatever. We'll just move on <laughs> with our Monday. Everyone else can move on with their Monday. I'm Skype illiterate. Are you not Are you not finding the add to conversation? You guys keep talking. Right. I'll keep talking. Okay. No, we're back. Hold on. No, we're back. All right. We're calling from a cell again. This ain't going to be good. Back in the night live. <laughs> and he's here. John Sparrow. All right. All right. Okay. Is that working? Uh, we can hear you. The question is, what are you hearing from us? That will be the. Yeah, uh, I can't the seem to figure out how to fall out on my landline from UCLA. That turned out to <laughs> Maybe be way too complicated. Maybe your secretary can handle that. I just couldn't actually. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where three four seven is located. Is this is this is Blog Talk Radio out of the Bahamas or what are we talking about here? <laughs> you like, know, with the technology, we feel like it. Might as well be. It's, I think it's, it's, on, it's like online gambling. You guys have to set off an set up an offshore account for this kind of stuff. Exactly. All right. So if we can get you to tell your story again, and hopefully the technology hangs in there. Well, okay. So I wanted to do both jobs, and uh, I felt like it was possible and was talking with UCLA and Dan, and Dan Guerrero and Doug Beal at the time. It was decided, I don't know, eight months ago that it wasn't going to work, and for a variety of different reasons. And I was with both of them and decided that I need to make a distinct decision, and I chose UCLA. And, and I haven't thought about it for one second since. Uh, I'm still getting the feedback, and I'm not going to fight through it, Barney. Barney, I'm going to fight through it. Sometimes uh, adversity, you know, you got to fight through the adversity. That's, that's right. your worst right. days in championships, right? <laughs> Uh, so about uh, three weeks ago, I got a phone call. Actually, it was originally from Hugh McCutcheon, and we were calling and just catching up a little bit. And he asked me what I, what I, what I thought about the dual role, and he kind of communicated to me that they were in a position where Doug may want to revisit it. And, and kind of my thoughts about it. And I told him that you know, especially now that I've been at UCLA for a while, and gotten a feel for the level of support here. It's unbelievable to support UCLA. It's a great place to work. Uh, I really felt that it was doable. More doable than I thought maybe a year earlier when I had evaluated it. So he said, well, let me give Doug a call. And uh, Doug called me back a little bit later and we started chatting about it. And so, so I really had not thought about it at all. And so it really did come down over just the last few weeks. Pretty, pretty last few last. What is uh hey John, this is Dustin. Yeah, uh, heard a little heard a little bit. First of all, congratulations officially Thanks. from the Net Live. Uh we heard a little bit of your conference call last week and, and Barney just mentioned a bit uh about the schedule maybe not being as difficult. I mean not that it's not strenuous, but there's not a whole lot of uh conflict, I guess, and, and he was trying to explain that to me. Could you kind of enlighten on, on that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh... The last the couple last years of the quad, you have, you have the, the World Championships, and traditionally they've been occurring in October or November. There's some there's some variability of when they schedule it, but that usually falls during the academic year, so there would be a conflict with, with fall practice if you were coaching a university team. And then the and year then before the Olympics was the World Cup, and that that has always been in November, so there's, there's a conflict also during the academic calendar. 
Um, um, they are they talking, are, and I think it's I think official now, have moved both of them into the, into the August, August September time frame. Because the professional league didn't like it like in that time period either, because it forced them to interrupt their professional league and their. Their best, their best players, players, players they spent all their money on were then required to leave the pro teams and go home in order to train. And now, and they've, now they've actually eliminated that, which, which obviously worked out great for me because now I have very, very conflict with the academic here. Yeah, so one one follow-up question that I have, and I asked, I asked it of Kevin earlier, is when you're competing and coaching at the international level with the national team, et cetera, what's the goal? Is the goal to qualify and perform well at the Olympics? Are there cups that are more important to you in a competition perspective than others? How do you how do you approach this quad? Is it you know, is it the Olympics and that's it? Where do the competitions rank on your on your goal setting list, I suppose? Right. I, I think that that's a really good question. And maybe the most important question. Because I think you need to take a holistic view of the quad and figure out what your goals are and work backwards from there. Uh, and I think uh, and our I goal is to win an Olympic gold medal. And, and certainly, I think yeah, maybe the primary, primary goal that most people don't really don't think about uh, is, is qualifying for the Olympic Games. Those are those the two big tournaments. tournaments. Most people most think, think that, that we're the United, United States, States. We go to the Olympics, Olympics. We send in your check, and you get to go. <laughs> so, and and <laughs> people who know volleyball, you know, Barney knows this really well. Really well. The most the important tournament of the quad might be the qualification tournament to get to the Olympic Games. And it's, and it's right. high pressure. It's a very, very important tournament. And I think and I, um, uh, this quad in particular, and I was listening a little bit. I got on earlier and was listening to your conversation. I think you guys were kind of hitting on it. I think that this is one of the more high-rigged quads in terms of just qualifying that we've had in maybe 20, 24 years. Wow. I think we're having a bunch of, of guys who are a little bit older, you know, and you mentioned too, Clay and Reed and... Um, uh, Donnie, Donnie, Rich Lamborn, there's some other guys other that are interested in, in pursuing, pursuing another Olympic medal, medal. Uh, but uh, they're also they're a little bit older. Bit older. And how and are we going to manage them throughout the quad? And how are we going to develop young talent so that we can be at our very our best, best four years from now? And I think and that's going to force us, I think it's something that we should do, is encourage risk early in the quad and some young guys experience in World League and standpoint from an expectations from Doug Beal and USA Volleyball to take those chances, do you think? Because I was looking back at your UCI record and some of your worst, your worst record came right before your two best seasons to that point. Can you take those chances uh, with your employer of USA Volleyball? Right, right. And that was, that was something that I wanted to talk to Doug about a lot through this process because I felt I had really good knowledge of quad perspectives. I'd seen the change in 2008 to 2012. I've been able to observe what other countries did and what risks they took. Um, uh, Poland, I think, being a really good country to take a look at, they went very young, took some chances, didn't do very well in the World Championships. Uh, they came back and obviously are one of the best teams in the world. We're playing their better prior to the Olympics. They didn't have a very good Olympics for some reason. 
but I think but we need to look at that. And I wanted to talk to Doug about that and, and say, hey, you know, hey can I take some chances, particularly in the world league. league? I think that's I think the one that you really have really to think about because there's so much money involved. Uh, but, uh, but he, he, he understands, understands that. that. And, and that's a very good conversation about the direction that we need to go. How different is it for you? This was one Jeremy was was talking about. How different is it for you to take over – a program that has a storied history, whether it be UCLA or the men's national team, versus taking over a program at UC Irvine that really did not have the highest of expectations at the moment of your hire. Right, right. Um, uh, well, I think well, in terms of taking over at UC Irvine, Irvine, that was the perfect, perfect first job for me. I was young, didn't have didn't a reputation, have, and I think and I taking think over a program, program that hadn't had any success yet was yet really, really... It gave me gave some me real freedom, freedom. Uh, uh, to make some mistakes, uh, to not have not the have weight of expectation. expectation. Certainly, that's Certainly more different than the two programs, programs that they can take out now. Um, but I, but I, I've also I've been coaching been for 10 years, so I've been able, able to develop, develop confidence in, in how I how coach I and, and the, the programs program that I put together. together. I feel like yeah, I, I philosophically I know what I want to do and how I want to do it. So I think it gives me the... Freedom to freedom go into these programs, programs that have some past, have, have some expectations. Hey, 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 this is what this I've is what done. I, this is why it's hard. This is how we're going to do it, and this is where we're going to go. go. While at while the same time making sure that I not only create a creative culture of learning, learning in both, both programs, programs, but also, but also flexible, flexible enough, enough with the people, with the people I hire and my own mindset and the way I want to continue to grow and learn myself so that I also realize we're going in here and can take some risks. And that's really the that's really that's the hardest thing. thing. When you, when you are over the program, program or our, or our expectations, and, and I think you I think see this with athletes, athletes, and I think it's true with coaches, coaches too. When you've had, you've had success, success, and we know we know from studying social psychology, psychology. If, you, if you have, have success, success, success uh, you actually you become a little bit more risk-averse because you get some feedback on you're this national championship, you're a good volleyball player, you're an All-American volleyball player, all of a sudden you don't want to take any more risk because... When you take, when you risk, take there's risk, there's room for error, error. And, and your ego your is ego built upon this on feedback, feedback that you get. And I, I, I could fall into that fall trap. trap. And if, and I, if, I, if I, I fell into that trap, trap I probably wouldn't have taken that job. job. I, I actually I, had to consciously I think about that as I was going through this process because this is a risk of fraud. I do open myself up for criticism. And so I have to say, you know what, I want to be the best volleyball coach I could possibly be. I want to coach the United States because I love coaching the United States. And this is going to stretch me and open me up to criticism, and that's okay. And they fail at times, but I want to be the best. And in order to be the best, you have to stretch yourself. You have to take some risks. I'm willing to do that. I'm going to do that. And we're going to do that as a group. And we're going to always be engaged in the learning process, which involves risk. And that's something you need to communicate to athletes all the time, especially at the upper levels. You're getting top recruits at UCLA. You're the best players at USA. These are players who have their egos built upon. I'm a great volleyball player. And when you ask them to do something different, different, and that and that is failure. Sometimes they become risk averse and ultimately won't grow as much as you need them to grow. So I need to do that. They need to do that. We're all going to do that together. Yeah, I I agree with you. This seems like a big risk for you taking over both of these programs, and the people you hire seem to be critical. How have you laid out the expectations for your assistant coaches at both programs and the weight that they must carry? 
Uh, that's uh, certainly been um, easier to handle right at this very moment with what we're doing at UCLA. I have a great staff and Brad Keller and Andrea Becker. I've worked with them both for a while prior to coming here to UCLA. Uh, we all have, I think, done a great job this year in terms of establishing the systems we need to put in place now as a team. We've had some great success in recruiting. I think our team is playing, playing better than most people expected. Um, um, I think we think ourselves up to be successful in the future. future. Uh, uh, we need to do the same thing with Team USA. Team USA. And, and so, so I, I have, have uh, hired um, one staff one member, member I'm not sure that everybody, everybody knows already, already, but I think the press release hasn't gone out. It's on USA Volleyball's website. Matt Furbringer is in your picture with him. Yeah, Furbs was my volunteer assistant coach here at UCLA, and I've just been incredibly impressed with him. He's got unbelievable presence. He's got great experience as a professional athlete. See, I don't necessarily go the traditional route when I hire a different coach. I think everybody thinks volleyball first, and I don't know if that's necessarily the first thing that I think of. And I've had good success. That felt like a great, great learning Environment, environment, great relationships with people, people that, that are smart, smart and, and creative. creative. I just, I just look for people that are a little different, that that complement my, my strengths and weaknesses a little bit better. That, that's, that's my primary, primary focus. I want smart, smart. I want creative, and innovative. I want people that, that complement me. And volleyball is farther down the list. Um, um, Matt does not have a tra- traditional coaching background going into the job, but he is smart. He is Stanford smart. He is analytical. He sees the game incredibly well. I've enjoyed working with each athlete, particularly because I think they see the game differently at really finite levels, and I think that that is incredibly educational for me. Uh, our next hire may be a little outside the box, too. Uh, I'm going to have to continue to work on that, and, and I'm not rushing into that. Um, originally, we had somebody in mind. Um, I actually had that in mind all the way through this process, and it didn't work out in the last minute. So now I'm kind of back on square one, one with that other hire, but I've decided I'm going to take a little bit of time and evaluate it, and I really want to get this right. It's more important to get right and take a little bit of time than it is for us to rush into something. I think we're in a place right now to start the year. Okay, so the assistant coach name that I've heard, you're telling me, has probably changed in the last week and a half. Yes, yes. Actually, it's changed in the last four days. <laughs> last four days. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. All right. Get, what what weakness do you think Matt Furbringer complements in your coaching style or philosophy? I think the perspective. I kind of referenced it in what I said before from the beach athletes is really interesting to me. Um, uh, I see things as a traditional indoor coach. You look at the rotation. You see the distribution. You said that. This guy this, this guy, guy this times, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. A beach a athlete sees things, things in a much in a more detail. detail. They're used to controlling control distribution. distribution. And so, and so they, they will serve a particular guy. guy. And they're, they're verbiage, they're, they're discussing it. Is, is, you know, we're going to serve this guy to his right. When the wind is blowing this way and the path is three feet off the net and the sun is in his eyes, then he's going to cut the ball over ball here, here a certain percentage of the time. I mean, it's real, real detail. And it's and it really, real specific with, with strategic experimentation. So, so they want to try and throw him this way. They want to try and throw him over here. Let's see what happens when we do it over here. here. They have to really break things down because there's only two people over there. So when I work with somebody like that, it really gives me additional perspective on some of the tactics that we can use when we are evaluating the opponent. 
And, and that, that to me has been really, been really fun. fun. And I, and I, I add a lot of what we do internationally, actually. You're listening to Net Live. We're talking to new national team men's head coach John Spira. John, there has been some rumblings from the volleyball world about a, perhaps a recruiting advantage that you will now have, as well as a training advantage. If we start to see a lot of Bruins populating the A2 teams during the summer, how would you answer those questions? I think they're good questions, and the political element of that, I think, was something that Doug was very concerned about. We talked about it a bunch. Uh, in terms of uh, the future Bruins and populating the youth national teams, A2 programs, I think, uh, I, I, you know, when I was coaching coach programs, I had a goal with me in terms of those players that are selected, and we're just going to continue that. Any who's ever coaching those teams will have a ton of me. That's like the roster that they believe give them the best opportunities to win. Um, I'm not um, going to uh, be the guy that guy says, oh, you need to take the big guy instead of that guy because I believe this. this. Yeah, I, I, I just will uh, uh, I'll just stay out of that process to some degree. degree. Um, obviously, I'll be able to evaluate it and maybe give some suggestions along the way. But at the end of the day, the coach, whoever it is, from wherever school he's coming from, is going to have the decision to make whatever he feels is the best decision. In terms of UCLA populating with the rock, I actually, I actually, at this point, there's not a ton of Bruins out there that are going to be available for this roster. There's probably more Irvine guys that are going to be on the worldly roster than Bruins guys. We'll just have to see where things go down the road. Ultimately, we're going to choose the best, best USA athletes that give us the best chance to win. There'll be a lot of people involved in that discussion. For Bringer, whoever the assistant coach is, we're all going to just go out there and do our very best for Team USA. And so we'll, we'll have to do that as that objective, objective and fair, fair as a decision-making process. Yeah. John, just curious, who are some of the younger players out there today that you see some potential we may be looking at, you know, maybe in Rio or, or at least spending some time with the national team? And can you share that sort of information, I guess? Oh, yeah, I think I can share it. I mean, Obviously, Obviously, I think, I think all, of us all of us have been impressed with Taylor Sander and how he's been able to play at BYU. I think he's somebody that we're going to try and get on Ron Ross early in the squad in August. A real, a real good long pass. He's the first guy that jumps out at me. But the other guy that I've been really impressed with is Mike Christensen at FC. I think we actually have a pretty good depth at center at the young age. I, I, I think the guys got, that uh, will uh, potentially look out for a worldly roster spot, spot, which is what you still made first, first, by the way. They used to have a, a worldly roster spot, a long list. That was due sometime in March, and a shorter list would do sometime in May. Now there's just one list due May first. So we have time to evaluate this. But, but you know, guys like Ryan Allen, Kavika Shoji, I quite like the skill set of Kyle Caldwell because he's such an offensive and blocking threat. Although it's Although he needs to continue to develop. develop. Those types Those of guys, guys are young guys, guys that we'll be taking a look at. But Mike, 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 Mike to get himself into that, that, that mix. Um, uh, maybe not maybe this not year this for year World League, League, but maybe down maybe the road they'll probably find out the other guys continue to develop. Uh, uh, there's other guys we need more depth in the middle. Dell Davis, he was somebody that, uh, you know, is having a nice career up at Santa Barbara. He's a big guy. He's got that size that you'd like to see in the middle. And there's some good young liberos. I really like Michael Brinkley at Irvine. And I'm sure there's some others I'm missing, but those are the guys that jump out at me right away. You may have already covered it, but is setter the biggest problem position, or do you think there are others that will present you with the most challenge? Oh, wow, that's a good question. 
Um, I think Shutter is one of them. Uh, you know, I also think we need to develop some more depth at Libero. I know Rich Lambor can really pass the ball, and, and he's interested in going another quad. And so he'll be in the mix. But I think Alfie Reft, Eric Shoji, Andy McGuire, if he chooses to continue to play, there's some good young liberos out there that have had really uh, great college careers and have um, a really good skill set to start with. Um, I think really that the maybe the biggest one is, is an opposite. You know, we're losing Clay. Well, I don't know if we're losing Clay. I really want – I hope that he can continue for another four years. He's a big guy. He's got a lot of wear and tear on his knees. Um, we, we've got to figure out how to manage talent over the course of this quad, and he's somebody that we're going to have – a long conversation with about how best to prepare him to be good in Rio. And I hope he's a part of that, and I want him to be a part of it. Um, but we're also going to need to develop some depth behind it because I don't think he's going to be able to go full speed, full time for four years and be his best in Rio. So who are going to be some of those other guys that can fill in? Murphy Troy, Carson Clark, Evan Paddock. Uh, do we need to take a look at some other offensive systems? Um you know, uh, something we're doing here at UCLA, um, something I know they're doing with Zaitsev at Macharada is they're putting the passer at opposite and passing with four a lot of times. Can we do that with Anderson? I've talked to Anderson about that. Should we, you know, potentially we have a little bit of depth at outside hitter. I think there's some good young guys there. Maybe if we have some more depth at outside hitter, we should look at a four-person serve receive a little bit more and move guys around. Um, that's something that, that really intrigues me because of the influence of the serve on the international game. So, I mean, that's something we'll look at, too. I, I think early in the quad, we'll take a look at some of those guys, figure out how we best need to manage the veterans to make them, uh, to keep them at their peak four years from now, and then put our best group together the last couple of years of the quad. John, do you, uh, do you think you're here for eight years? We'll have to see how this model works, but that would sure be great. I mean, I, I think in some ways you want to to build a core group of athletes that could go for a little bit longer period of time. Um, that was certainly my intention when I was looking at the job originally was to go for eight. Um, we'll have to see how this goes. I mean, we may get through the end of this quad doing this model, two jobs at the same time, and I may you know, this didn't work. I'm burned out. It was too much. Or we may get to the end and say, gosh, we managed this pretty well. This model works, and I want to keep going. But I think there's – aspects of this model where we're just going to have to learn along the way and uh, and, and keep improving and making sure we're, we're doing the best thing for the athletes and, and the success of Team USA, and, and we'll have to see what that is four years from now. Yeah, the best thing for the athletes, but what about you? When are you going to rest, and uh, which organization has picked up the trip to Cabo for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I usually get away during spring break. Uh, I didn't this year because of all the stuff that was going on, obviously, but uh, I'll be looking to take a break during finals week here like I have in the past. Uh, I think I'll be okay. I mean, I, you know, the truth is I'm going to have more responsibility as the head coach doing this job, but, you know, four of the last six years I've done this. You, I mean, even as an assistant coach, you still got to get on that flight. You still got to go on that trip. You still got to jet lag. You got to come back and still take care of recruiting and other things while you're gone. Uh, we've been able to do that pretty successfully when I was at Irvine. And I think we're going to be able to do it uh, potentially even more successfully now that I'm at UCLA with the support that we have. So I haven't burned out over the last six years, and so I I think I'll be okay. I mean, I don't know. Talk to me in, in four years from now, Barney. We'll see. But but uh, yeah, I feel like we feel like pretty good about it. 
Well, John, thanks very much for spending a little bit of time out of your very busy schedule at this point with us here. We look forward to talking to you in the future and seeing what the, the first season of John Spraw's USA Men's National Team really looks like. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All right, John Spraw, checking in from UCLA. Sorry about the echo, folks. We've been uh, trying to fix it here in the studio. I understand we, we got it a little bit better. When we upload the iTunes file, we will have a little bit cleaner version there. And uh, thanks to John for sticking in on that particular issue there. I, I think there's a lot of interesting things that got said there, guys. We got uh, we have a few minutes here before we get into College Volleyball Weekly, and we'll have Coach's Corner for you coming up shortly with Katie Charles. But, guys, there's some, some awesome stuff in there. Strategic experimentation. I like that. I love when John throws out these uh, social psych terms. Yeah, yeah, strategic experimentation. And he makes a good point. I had never thought about how in-depth the beach players really have to go with their opponent in order to gain an advantage. You're not dealing in macros. You're dealing in micros and how that view of the game might help, that Ferbs may be able to hone in on a guy across the net and figure out something that you could do to destabilize that guy just a little bit more than if you were looking at some of the macro elements versus those micro elements. Yeah, I'm curious to see how it'll play out because obviously on the beach game, there's only two players that you're... Uh, not a lot to manage. Yeah, that you're, you're you're doing that. I agree that's more a level of focus, but you're able to because there's only a couple of guys hitting. Now when we're talking about five, six players hitting and, and also taking that level of focus to serve receive and setter tendencies and blocking and that sort of thing, I wonder where it falls, but I guess we'll, we'll have the opportunity to see. Yeah, I'm not a proponent of the view that, oh, he's just a beach guy, he doesn't know the indoor game. Oh, he's an indoor guy, he doesn't know the beach game. Like, come on. Who it's were, volleyball. Who were you mimicking there with that voice? That oh, my, you've run into that guy. Okay, just curious. <laughs> you've run into that guy. Uh, but I don't. I don't really believe in that because if you are studious, if you are smart, if you are willing to step into really anything and learn, if you're moving from beach to indoor or indoor to beach, it's not as though you're taking a job in a field that you have no clue about. Like if you are in. Software sales, all of a sudden you had to do event promotion. Close. Like but, that would yeah. be two totally different things that you Still would have to do. software sales. It's just towards the event management. Those my customers. <laughs> I wasn't talking about anybody in particular. I'm just, don't get saying, so defensive. I'm just saying. I'm just trying everybody. to give an example, Dustin. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but I, I think you come with such a base of knowledge. And, and I say this, too, because I've done it. Look, I've gone from being an indoor guy to being a beach analyst. And I'm sure there are small parts of the game that, that I miss or don't see. But picking apart an individual player or an individual play, that ability to do that translates no matter what you're picking apart. It doesn't matter if they're sand under your feet or a hard court. If you're wearing knee pads or sand socks, I know nobody wears those. Not wearing sand but socks. you can still pick apart the individual pieces of how do I gain an advantage. So I think that's a, an interesting point from John and something I wouldn't have thought about as to the focus of a beach guy compared to perhaps some of the indoor folks. It's interesting because, uh, you know, every coach kind of has their own philosophy in terms of what they hold as important, kind of some statistics, that sort of thing. It's clear that John's approach to the game is, is pretty cerebral, and he's a bright guy, so yeah. that makes sense. The fact that he's including Andrea Becker, we mentioned before, and the psych stuff, um, not only at Irvine, but UCLA, and I suspect with USAV a little bit more, I'm sure there's more, um, there's probably existing sports psych people at USAV already, but I'm sure that Andrea will have some part in that. At least I hope so from what I've seen from her results in the past. So it's it's really interesting to just compare that level of 
focus and that level of analysis that John Spira has done will continue to do versus some of the other coaches who are maybe more, hey, let's get in the gym and just play, right? There's some guys out there and, and gals too, I would imagine, that that's their coaching sort of philosophy is the more balls you hit, the better you'll hit them, right? And right. We've, I know I've played for some of them. I assume he, you've played for some of them as well. But then other guys, you know, it's very intricate. And I assume that's because at the highest level, there's such a small fraction that separates winning and losing. And right. some of those big, big differences in terms of qualifying for the Olympics or not qualifying for the Olympics, making the medal round or not making the medal round. These are huge, huge consequences on little tiny fractions that I think he is able to uh, take advantage of. And that goes all the way down to the players. Yeah. Don't forget for the players, and anytime we discuss players on here, we talk about this guy's not up to the task, he's not performing. By the way, if that guy stepped into any other gym anywhere except the national team, he's probably the best player in the gym. Yeah. But because we're dealing with the national team, he can go from being all-world to, quote, sucks pretty quickly in that tiny little bit that it takes in that gym to be the best. Yeah. And with player discussions, I, I thought it was good to get even more names out of him than he had thrown out there during that press conference. Uh, I've seen stuff out on the talk, the chat boards, on Volley Talk about names of this guy, that guy, the other guy. There are really some people out there who have no clue what the hell's going on. They're bringing up names that you're like, dude, that, that person is not making a roster. They're telling the folks in the chat boards that certain guys have made national team rosters or been in the gym at different times. They're like, dude, that guy was never even there. Yeah, He's never appeared on a national team roster. Oh, he just missed getting on the Olympic team. No, he didn't. He was gone a year before. Like, get your get your information remotely correct before you you throw it up there. I love the discussion, but let's let's have some people that uh, are say less forceful with more info. Would this six one nine possibly be Reed? He emailed at one point saying he's going to try to call in. Six six one or six one nine? No, six one nine is Ojan. He listens this way. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, well, uh, the names are going to be interesting, and I'm excited as as a commentator, because I'm going to get to learn some new names here. I'm going to get to know yeah. some of these guys a little bit better, some of the names I know a little bit. Uh, the setting position is going to be a tough one. If And I know, look, the old guys, Sujo, Stanley, Pretty, Lee, I don't know if Millar will come back into the conversation if he's out completely, uh, Lamborn, uh, Rooney, Tazinski, if he's going to be back at all. Uh, Can I stir up a little bit of controversy, potentially? But I don't know if any of these names yes. are going to be there in four years. You may have none. You might have one. Those folks are not going to go quietly into the night. These younger and guys, some of the names you're going to hear, we're going to discuss, they're going to have to force the issue. You're going to have to push Reed Pretty off the cliff. Of you can't just hope he throws himself off it. Just a swan dive. Yeah, well, he... Uh, John mentioned the opposite position, right? Right. Really, I think he was, how do we get Clay to stay for another four years and, and maximize his output? He started, that. Yeah, but he started mentioning who else we could, you know, get back in the mix. And uh, a name that I kind of thought of was, was Dave McKenzie. And David is Matt Furbringer's brother-in-law? Correct. No, so he's got an in? I'm just, no, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm just putting it out there. Is there, you know, some of those, those uh, conflict of interest that you were talking about with, with John, are there other layers of that that people will be dissecting when really 
you know, there's maybe nothing stories become. You know, stories get made. It's, it's oh, all Dave, perception. Hey, right? Dave made a team this year. John yeah. cannot stake his coaching and professional success on his brother-in-law. Right. No, no matter no, if no. his brother-in-law was Clay Stanley, you can't do that. You've got to make decisions in the gym, and John will do that. I have no, no doubt about that, but I'm sure Volley Talk will have many doubts. Yeah, sure. of course. <laughs> uh, Clay, you'd want him to stick around another four years. Clay, until he's my opposite, right, to quote uh, Terrell Owens. He's my opposite, man. He is my opposite until he shows up to a big tournament and sucks. Because he keeps, at times, being injured, not playing to his, his uh, previous level, in between. Yeah. And then it's World Championships, and he's awesome. Then it's World Cup, and he's awesome. Then it's the Olympics, and he's awesome. Until Clay Stanley shows up at a major international where a World Championship event or World Championship is on the line, and he is subpar, no good, or injured, he's my opposite. Well, he and Until uh, that happens. Clay and, and Rich were, I think, the only two players quoted in the in the release, the announcement of, of Sparrow being the head coach. So that's telling, I think, just in who they go to from a perspective of what do the players think, right? You go to Clay Stanley and you go to Rich Lamborn. So. I think that those guys will continue to try and maintain a level and keep the young guys on the on the bench until some young guy comes along and pushes them off the cliff. You're not going to see those positions get replaced. These selections are not made on tenure. These selections are not made on who likes who or history. It's made based on their performance in the gym and their performance in the last event. Some of the names for opposite, Paddock, McKenzie, Clark, and Troy. I'm not real high on the first two. Great guys. Dave McKenzie did his job of being the serving sub in 2012 perfectly. Mm-hmm. Could not have performed better. I was happy for Dave and the way that he performed in that event. I think Dave has some some physical challenges, being his height. Uh, I think he's a good change of pace at times, but I don't see him carrying four years. Evan Paddock, also known as Clay Light. Uh, I I haven't seen Evan get. I haven't seen Evan improve enough in the last four or six years to have it happen. Carson Clark, I wonder where he went in the conversation. I thought when he made that world championship roster, he was going to be in the conversation two years later for the Olympics. He was not. We'll see if he comes back. Murphy Troy, hear lots of good things. I know he's a smart guy. We had him here on this show. He was fun and intelligent. He's a big dude. He's playing at a high level in Italy right now. We'll see. I think he's an interesting guy. Setter, Micah Christensen, interesting player. Seen him at SC a few times. Very athletic. Uh, Ammerman, okay, he's still playing professionally. He's got some years on him. That'll be interesting. Um, Caldwell, Shoji, okay. I like all the names here. Matt West, Pepperdine guy, got to promote that one. But it is going to be interesting. What will be interesting with the setting position is will you get somebody who can perform at that level in four years Yeah. rather than eight? In eight, I think a lot of these names are relevant. Yeah, I mean, Donnie for the setting Sujo is still he's still around the incumbent, kind of like you said. He and I know from personal experience, he's not going to jump off that cliff. No, like you put it. You're not pushing these guys yeah. off. It's incumbent upon the younger guys to make it happen. I'm looking forward to getting the invite to the gym where the NetLive gets to go and watch all these guys practice, and then we can come talk about it on the show. Yeah, we can actually stream live from there. We've done it before. Well, the cool thing is that it's there may in... be an echo, but we can stream live. <laughs> yeah. A couple of echoes. But the thing that I wondered, I was thinking about when John was talking about the dual the dual role, um, how does that opportunity differ in terms of the dual role if this position is still in Colorado Springs? 
let's uh, let's talk about that after College of Auburn Weekly. I like that. Let's write that down. Okay, write it down. <laughs> write that down. Don't let's know what that a... means. He's gonna write it down. Don't know what it means, but he's gonna write it down. Think about it. Do we have to do any business, Jeremy, or are we good? No, let's just go right. All right, we'll continue then. Why? College of Auburn. Hopefully, Weekly. we get tons of echo and it's just. Well, here's what's gonna happen. We're just gonna let those two take it. Yeah, we're gonna lay out. As usual, we're in association with an association for the College Volleyball Weekly, the ABCA College of Volleyball Weekly here on the Net Live, a recap of what has happened in this case in the last two weeks of collegiate volleyball and a look forward to what you can expect in this next week of college volleyball. We're getting closer to playoff time. It's going to be the first weekend in May, so there's about a month left in the season for these young men looking to take home a national Championship. I hope these are the right numbers. Let's try and get the right numbers. It's the 814 and the 310. Let's get Mike Sondheimer and Jay Hosick in here. And, gentlemen, here's how this is going to work. We're going to have you two guys just go off and take it where you will. And, Jay, you're welcome to react to John Spraw's hiring and the potential advantage that that may be in the college ranks, if you wish. Otherwise, cover us and take us through what's happening in the world of men's collegiate volleyball. Hello, hello, gentlemen. Take gentlemen, it. how how are you you doing doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that, guys. That's not in our control, 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 but we're trying, trying, trying. I just like how you blamed it on the Internet. <laughs> I thought you were going to call it the Al World Gore. Wide Web. It's actually Al Gore who's. Uh, That's right. Or, or or what was his name? They called it tubes everywhere. There were tubes everywhere on the internet. Okay, so let's talk about Penn State big win over Princeton and move on. You know what? You let's know what? let's talk about that. Uh, here's, uh, you know, everybody wants to talk about, uh, you know, Princeton and Harvard. Are they legit? And George Mason, are they legit? Uh, absolutely, they were. And this weekend was a big weekend for us. Princeton's a very good team. Uh, Cody Kessel is back in the lineup for them. Uh, they packed the house, standing room only. Uh, and they came out in the first game and hit flawless. I don't even think they had one error. So uh, they took us in the first game, but we uh, we persevered and, and won in four pretty handily the rest of the way. And then we go into Mason, and George Mason sold out that place. They uh, they thought that if they could win that match, that they might actually host the EIBAs this year. And uh, I'll tell you what, they came out, and they were... They were just, just fired up, fired up. And, and it was a, a real dogfight, dog and uh, we ended up, ended up having two, two match points for us for against us in, in, the, in the game four, game four. and we actually and we ended, ended up coming up down and, uh, and pulling out point five. five, so it was so, a good win for us. Well, I think the other thing to look at is UCLA is really starting to play well right now. You have to look at the victory over San Diego 3-0, but then to walk, go into Irvine and beat Irvine in four games and really dominate that match. The UCLA, John Spraw, is playing really well, and I think the, one of the big matches we'll talk about a little bit later, UCLA, if they're for real, get a shot at Cal Baptist to beat them the first time on Thursday, and then they play BYU at home on Saturday, and BYU is the first team I think it's already into the NCAA tournament by clinching the NPSF title already. they got home court advantage for the whole playoffs. Yeah, let's also talk about uh, IPFW and uh, Ball State. Uh, yeah. After beating us in one weekend, they go out, and the next weekend they beat Ohio State. Right. And uh, Arnie's Army is starting to figure some things out. The uh, the, the Puerto Rican kids are, are starting to put the ball away, and uh, the crowd, obviously playing at home is a big deal, but uh, I would not be surprised to see IPFW maybe pull some kind of upset here, maybe make it to the finals of the uh, of the MIBA. It's a possibility. Well, we um, talked, we'll, Jay, about how bad 
balanced the conference are? If you sit and look at it right now, I mean, UCLA was in 11th place three weeks ago. Now they're up in fourth place. And you sit and look at the the MIVA where Lewis had control, and then they go out and get beat by Linwood. And Lewis and Ohio State are going to play this week. And then you even look at the EVA where, you know, Penn State was supposed to romp through, and Penn State's got a loss and a couple other near losses, that those playoffs are going to be ferocious from the quarterfinals on where everybody's got a chance to get beat. You're absolutely correct. And uh, what is it, five through eight right now are all within one or two games of each other, and uh, they're all fighting for that last spot. Exactly. Yeah, these these next few weeks are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to explain how teams, you know, like USC plays so well one week, and then they go out and then they get buried the next week, and you look at Long Beach State beats Stanford, and, you know, they barely hold on, and then Stanford goes out and tanks it against Northridge, plays great against them, and, you know, you look at the other other matchups, and Pepperdine's playing great one week, you know, beating everybody, and then the next week they come out and they lose two straight. Yeah, that's tough for Pepperdine. I mean, the other team sure. to really look at that's I think been the team that's really played consistent all year and really done a heck of a job for first season in MIVA and and MPSF is Cal Baptist. I mean, they've just done a heck of a job. Yeah, that uh, that program. I I don't know, Sonny. You maybe you could reference this. Are they eligible this year for the MPSF playoffs? Yeah, they're yeah. eligible for the MPSF playoffs, and they're right in the run for seventh and eighth seventh spot right now. They got a legitimate chance, and it's a big week for them. Rich, which hey, guys. leads. Go ahead, Kevin. Well, according to the official standings right now, the mark is next to Cal Bath that says they are ineligible for 2013 postseason. Oh, maybe they, oh, for maybe the they first year they made them ineligible, but they've had a heck of a year. And you know, if Cal yeah, Bath, I mean, Cal Bath's gone and beat Pepperdine in four. I mean, they're in the conference standings that all their matches count, and they may not be eligible to make the tournament, but they're sure having a factor on who's going to be in the tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a bummer too. But uh, you look at Northridge hanging on to that eighth spot, and uh, it's boy, it's, it's really unfortunate that Hawaii doesn't get a chance at them again this year because Hawaii had a little bit of a rough weekend this weekend with Santa Barbara, and may have taken themselves out of the consideration for the rest of the season. How about the play-in game that is going to take effect next year, where you'll have the two lowest RPI conference champions taking on one another for the right to go to the Final Four? Is this some sort of half-hearted effort at uh, giving it uh, an increased championship standing while not really increasing the number of teams in the championship? It's, it's an absolute farce. How do you blame <laughs> a team? Instead of going to eight, it's five. Hey, you know what? You know, I'll tell you what. Let's ask Sandy this question. What if it's the MPSF? Usually, traditionally, at-large teams are the ones that have to play the, the play-in. So what if a team from the MPSF had to be the one that played in? It's. I mean, one time the MPSF was seated fourth, it's possible to have that happen. The way I look at it is that the volleyball made a mistake way back in 1970 not going to eight teams. They've been stuck yep. with four for 40-plus years, and what this does now with another conference is it's a chance for a fifth team to potentially get in. Um, the, you know, it's like being able to do it, but realistically it's like we need to get to eight or at least six, you know, have first have two buys in the NCAs and play six, but unfortunately it's just another way of doing it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to fly, to be honest with you. New poll just out, BYU, all the first place votes, they remain at first position. New to number two is Long Beach State, now in Nipe, 19-7. Great job he's done, too. Third, UCLA, fourth, UC Irvine, fifth, Pepperdine, then Cal Bapp, who is ineligible, seventh, UC Santa Barbara, Stanford, Lewis, Cal State, Northridge, Ohio State, Penn State, Loyola, Chicago, Hawaii, and Ball State. Now, USC is at the point where they're not even garnering votes any longer, guys. What are the hopes for next year for USC? I think it'll be very good. Everybody will be back. 
they got a great center, yeah. Michael Christensen, you're talking about with the USA program, and they get McKibben back. They've got a couple really good outside hitters coming in and recruiting. And, they're the, you know, it's, it's, it's a year where it started really well. They beat Irvine in the early going, and the injuries finally caught up with them. And it's a situation where there, you know, things like that happen in the conference occasionally. And USC has gone from the championship game to a team that will not be in the in the MPSF tournament, but a year from now could change it all around. Yeah, I think I think they'll be fine next year. I yeah, I, I, I think, don't see them staying down forever. I just I really we talked about this for the year. I said this is a year that a lot of teams are going to be a building year, and that the, everything in volleyball will be that much better, you know, next year. And I think you're going to see that, that almost every team in the conference has almost all their top players back with the exception of Irvine, and that everybody will be that much better. I mean, this is a huge week like Long Beach. If Long Beach can get by SC on the road and Pepperdine on the road, all they have left is Northridge. They will clinch second place in the conference, which would be a major accomplishment. Irvine would end up you know, being third if that ends up happening. And that would shock the heck out of people before the year before that the Irvine even has seven losses. Gentlemen, how about this week? What are you watching? Jake? Well, I'm going to watch Ohio State at Lewis. Uh, this is the second meeting of the year, and I think uh, I, Ohio State may be out of the running to host it, but um, I'm going to see what happens there. That could be the potential matchup for the finals of the MIBA, and I, I think that will carry some momentum. Uh, I'm also going to be watching Santa Barbara and, and uh, Cal Baptist. Santa Barbara seems to be winning a few matches here as of late and can maybe start to pull some momentum for this tournament. Uh, there's a potential, depending on this last couple of weeks, that they could be the ones going up to BYU. And we all remember what happened at BYU a while back. So, um, you know, that's that's the match I think that I'm going to be paying the most attention to. i got to really look at how UCLA does. Cal Baptist being the first time in five. It's a crucial match for UCLA. And then can they stay in the match with BYU? Dominated them the first time. BYU went out and crushed USC. And for UCLA, they have a chance now to potentially get in the top four, be in the fourth place if they can get by a couple because they'll have Pepperdine and USC the week after. And that would be pretty amazing for, for John Spur on his first year with all the players UCLA lost to potentially host the first-round MPSF playoff match. Very good. And, Mike, how about the reaction internally there at UCLA to John Spra taking that position with the U.S. Men's National Team? Well, what's well, amazing, what's if you go back and look at the history, John had the job for, you know, all set up, and that's a job he was probably going to take from Irvine and not take the college job. And now he's got the best of both worlds, and I think it's great for UCLA. I think it's great for the national team. It just shows what a great coach he is, that the national team couldn't find anybody of his caliber, that they're willing to let him also work at UCLA to be with the national program. And I think volleyball really benefits from it, because volleyball needed somebody on an international level that has respect, can gain the respect of the players playing overseas, and I think John's got the best chance of putting a competitive USA team out there for 2016 with seeing, taking some of the people from 2012 and some of the younger players and merging them together to make the U.S. qualify, because I think the U.S. can have a heck of a road just to even qualify for 2016, because other countries have gotten so strong. Gentlemen, thank you both for your contribution. Hopefully the echo wasn't too bad, too bad, too bad that whole time. <laughs> And I'm, I'm we just love participating on the show, 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 and there's nothing else like the Volleyball Network, Volleyball Network, Volleyball Network. <laughs> I'm kind of upset that nobody picked the USC Long Beach State that I will be doing this week with Kevin Wong on Pac-12, so maybe you can check that one out, too. Well, now that you're going to be there, we should mention that match should be going. Uh, you should go watch it for sure. I'm looking forward to working that match, so yes, it will be great with Kevin Wong. Yes. <laughs> Mike Sondheimer in the house. That will help me statistically. I will not do any work all week. I'll just rely on you, Mike. Uh, I'm ready to roll on it. We'll see how Long Beach, that Long Beach office it plays and what USC's hitting percentage is in set one. I'll tell us whether we're going to be there for till 10 o'clock or we might be out of there early. Very good. 
Gentlemen, you're out of here. Thank you for your contribution once again, Mike and Jay, on College Football. Take care, Jay. See you, guys. See you, Sunday. See you in a mic, Jay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, not even too much fighting between those two, although the little parting shot there from Mike Sondheimer, see you in a month. (laughs) Penn State, for all the talk about how good those other teams are, you know Pav and Jay will pull it together, and Penn State will make uh, their 647th consecutive Final Four. Speaking of Final Fours, boy, the collegiate men's Final Four has been established for basketball, and I know lots of people have been watching that, even though they're volleyball fans. There are some I, good surprises there. Yeah. I picked three out of the four Final Four teams in my bracket. Did you? No way. That's yes. impressive. Are you on ESPN? Are you like in the top no, 1% or something? No, because the lower no, left side of my bracket after the first day was basically just done. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Wichita State? That, that whole, yeah. That that's the whole one. Like, yeah, yeah. Shockers. Shockers. Good for them. Yeah, go yeah. Shockers. They're not afraid to throw the symbol out. They are not. Really not. Somebody's telling me about their mascot on their jerseys or T-shirts. It's like there's like a... He's like corn. He's a wheat shocker, I think is what he is. Gotcha. has to do with wheat. Yeah, it's gotcha. farm and country. And actually, the U.S. men's national team will be making their third appearance at Wichita State this year in World League. Awesome. Third time we'll, we'll have been there. It's a fun place to go. And if you have a nice car, you can also cruise Wichita. Are you can we cruise getting, Wichita in the evening. Are we getting flown out there to uh, broadcast? The Net Live? Yeah, USAV? We'll, yeah, we'll talk to USAV you that phone call about that. We we do have a potential to uh, join some folks out in Germany in August. Well, that would be amazing. Your interest in that. What are the for dates a volleyball camp? I have to look it up. I have a wedding I have to go to. Okay. So it better not be that time. Well, Ken Novak, our contact, we were not talking mine. to him. I've, I've been talking to him. He's still on my list. Spring break was a, a low email time for me. Saw so you were in Chicago, right? Yeah. Spent the weekend. the kids. In the hometown. Took a lot of Instagram photos. Lots of Instagram. I will say this, Kevin, as much as I make fun of you about everything else you do in life. <laughs> Your Instagram photos are legit. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, they are. They are legit. That's nice. Yeah. Although you go to Chicago for spring break. I don't know if that's on the top 10 list. Yeah, I noticed your kids, had, your kids had beanies on at one point. Uh, it was thirty high of 36 degrees for a couple of days. <laughs> I actually went to my aunt and uncle's up in Milwaukee, made a stop at the Mars Cheese Castle in between. Why wouldn't you? Uh, for those that uh, have gone by Kenosha there on the 94. But I, I went up there and... Got to their house in suburban Milwaukee, and there were 10 inches of snow on the ground. For spring break. For Yay. spring break. So I, I tweeted a picture. I made, I think I Instagram one, too, that said, spring break Midwest style. Midwest style. It was cold. In the defense of uh, Naperville and so on, they said they've had a hard winter this year and that they're just coming out of it. It was 56 degrees or so on Saturday, our last day there. We spent the day at the park with the kids and some uh, friends there in Naperville. Yeah, another uh, break destinations, more appropriately, there was a Norseka beach event. Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic, yeah. Ah, yes. Brooke Sweat, Jen Fatma taking down the title, and uh, actually the other American team in the final, Brittany Hochaver and Summer Ross. So an all-American final on the women's side for the USA winning that Norseka. And on the men's side, I think Brad, our friend Brad Keenan and John Mayer, your friend Brad Keenan, yeah, went down in the final, so they got a silver. So a good showing. I I saw some. Congratulations, uh, Summer Ross. Yeah, and I I also saw some uh, Twitter photos or Instagram or something that April and Jen are at the White House today. Stomping grounds. Yeah, meeting with the first family. So I'm sure there will be some. That's awesome. Pretty epic photos that come out of that. We had April on a couple weeks ago, and um, she was talking about all the cool stuff that they've really leveraged from those silver medals and their performance. It's kind of funny, you know. Free hot dogs at Staples. Yeah. I mean, think about that. 
one one performance. I mean, we knew of them, of course, because they had been world champions and and all that stuff. Swords, swords, and everything. Yeah, but I, I wonder, you know, if they how they have to finish if they don't win that match against Brazil. Does it? Does all this stuff still happen? Is it? Was it just the performance? If they're not in the gold medal, and on match. the gold medal match against yeah. Karen Misty, and you know, Karen and Misty are kind of really quiet right now, right? I think Misty's helping with the women's sand team at Long Beach State or something, and uh, of course, Carrie's very pregnant, so About to pop any second. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting, kind of the way that this last year has turned since last summer. But congratulations to Brooke and Jen Fatma on winning the Narsecas in the Dominican Republic. Better spring break destination than Chicago, I think. <laughs> From a standpoint of temperature, yes, but they don't have the bean. They don't have the bean. That's true. They do have gold medals now, though. Yeah, yeah, gold medals are nice. Silver medals are nice, as we've talked about on this program before. One hundred percent. Yeah. Is this I'll the take, Olympic day? Is I'll this, take a medal. Is this the Olympic day where all the Olympians get to come and take a picture with the president and meet him out front, or is this that I, special? That I don't know. Just for volleyball players, because I went and did that with Eric Sullivan. It was actually held in the fall after the Olympics, so I wonder if that has already happened. But pretty awesome to get to go through the White House and meet the president, shake his hand, take a picture. All the years I grew up 20 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., I never went inside the White House. It's something I need to do. Yeah. You need to DJ a party inside the White House. I don't know if they want dope beats for a diplomatic event. That could be true. You probably want to get in, though. Maybe with France. You could play some sweet French rap. Probably want to get in when the Obamas are there, because who knows what's going to happen afterwards. Yeah. yeah. You know? I'm sure you could Obama's probably. Obama's kind of hip. I could... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Are you think suggesting there... that President Obama is more hip than other presidential candidates? Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> Not all of them, but some of them. Uh, Mitt Romney? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget the politics of the whole thing. Right. Just go on hipness. Exactly. Yeah, Romney's it's... a square. He's the squarest of the squares. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We could, we could take a quick song break and then come back for... Uh... Coach's Corner. Coach's Corner. Katie Charles. Yep. Talking yeah. about managing indoor and outdoor and increasing... I guess, possibility or an increasing task that's been thrown upon some of the indoor coaches. Correct. Good and bad, good or bad. We're going to find out. Let's.
20 bucks if you can answer this question. Just, just leave the money in your wallet. There's no way. So then you owe me 20 bucks is how I look at it. Is that, is that what I agreed to? I don't know. It just sounds right. Son right? of a gun. Kind of like right. when I told Dustin he owed me $100 if Matt Furbringer and Phil Dahlhauser to start the match did a double block on Casey Jennings and, I mean, on Casey Patterson and Sean Rosenthal. Yeah. And they did. And they did. I'll block. just I'll put my wallet over there, pretend like I can't find it. Perfect. Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Big thanks to Spire Institute, ABCA, and Volleyball Mag for their support of this program. Remember, you can get us via iTunes for free. It is the Net Live Blog Talk Radio feed. Echo free? Without it, yeah. <laughs> we will try to make cost, it echo free. We the will, echo costs extra. We will upload the non-echo version version onto iTunes. <laughs> Fun. Maybe we should just start doing that. Sometimes the technology is so amazing, and sometimes it is so frustrating. It's funny because things are so simple, but then there's that one little thing that will just ruin it all. Because uh, you get used to the simplicity, right? Of course. Think about your phone. I get mad at my phone because it's not doing this right, or it's not doing that right, it's not picking up messages. What this thing does is ridiculous. You're carrying a computer around in your pocket. It is it. ridiculous. What I think this it was thing a does. I think it was a Louis C.K. Uh, stand-up bit. And he's like looking at people that are mad at their phones, and because he's like, it goes to space. <laughs> Give it a second. It's going to take a minute or two. Yeah. Right. If I call Jeremy, it goes from me to space yeah, to Jeremy. Back down. So right. Give it one second. Or to the tower and then to me. Yeah, whatever. whatever. But there's a space involved. Don't yeah. complicate. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, Jeremy. Bring in our new guest. I will try. We got to put a photo up of me wearing the shirt. Are we still in association with the association? I guess Always. we are. Another segment brought to you by the American Volleyball Coaches Association here on the Net Live has become the Coaches Corner, an opportunity to talk to a variety of coaches around the United States about their varied experience and some of the challenges that come along with being a coach in today's modern volleyball world. Our guest today was hired in 2008 to take over the Kenyan ladies' job, and that is Kenyan College. Which not, is near not near Uganda. Uganda. <laughs> She's had quite a variety of experience helping out with men and women at Endicott College before moving on to Dartmouth and then the University of Georgia before she arrived at Kenyon. She has been charged with turning that program around, and she has done it. We also want to talk to her now. She's a vocal person. If you ever get an opportunity to run into Katie Charles at a volleyball event, you might get an earful on one topic or another, as I have, and we are pleased to welcome her to the Net Live for the first time. Katie, are you there? I'm here. Katie, thanks so much for calling in and spending some time with us, and uh, we wanted to ask you about some of the challenges with running indoor and outdoor. I guess you guys don't have an outdoor program yet there at Kenyon, but this is something that increasingly is becoming a pressure around the volleyball world. Do you think that it's a good idea to have a head coach that is in charge of both programs? Honestly, not at all. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges we're going to see going forward with this, they're actually, I will never have to worry about it at Division Three. They're not even marketing uh, beach volleyball to Division Three. Um, it's the D2, D1 premise only. Um, so that actually, I think, is a good thing because... The D3 schools, most of us are in the Northeast and don't have the ability to ever have an outdoor team because the weather does not get warm enough to ever have it, and we don't have the money or resources to um, set up a an outdoor program or to build a facility for it. So that, that makes it a challenge, and the D3 isn't even going to be getting in on it. Um, in terms of the D1 and D2, I've talked to quite a few people who have started their programs. 
Uh, and I think a big piece of it is that their head coaches are running both, which is going to make it really um, tough on them in terms of their recruiting season for their regular teams. We actually just had John Spraw here on the program, and now he's taken over the national team, which is a whole other job in another season. Why wouldn't it be possible for a college coach to run inside of their own university, out of the same office with the same personnel, run two programs? It seems a little bit easier than what John Spraw's taken on. Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's one thing. He's going to have an astronomical amount of resources, and not everybody is UCLA or the national team program, where they're going to have the kind of help that they need. You know, we're looking at, if you look at, it's kind of a disparity between the teams that have sand. They're either teams that are already not particularly well-funded, and it's it's a, a school-wide initiative to get more students there, or they're doing it so that they can, you know, kind of give their kids more training so they can hopefully move up a little bit faster. And I think um, some of the bigger schools that are adding it, you know, the Stanfords, the UCLAs, the USCs, they're groups that have the resources already and ne- don't necessarily – they have the name, they can pull students. Um, but I think one of the, the considerations for this when they decided that they were going to, to add sand volleyball is I think they kind of are trying to reverse engineer the sport in terms of – it's kind of a parasite at the moment for most schools. They're sharing a budget with their indoor team. Um, it's taking resources away from their recruiting ability for the indoor. They're asking coaches to pull double duty, so – like I talked briefly with Coach Dunning the last time I saw him out on the road, and they did, obviously, their fall season. They had a break for winter. They came back. They did their spring season during the first part of their second semester, and now they're in sand season. Well, now they're in sand, and Denise and John are coaching that program. Um, and then they're still having to go out and recruit during the bulk of our qualifier season right now. So they're pulling double duty. They might be leaving you know, after a match on a Saturday night and trying to get out to a qualifier for a day on Sunday. Um, it remains to be seen, I guess, how that's going to affect, um, you know, things down the road in terms of are your athletes are now training all year round without any downtime. Um, they're allowed to be in 20-hour weeks all the time. They can cross over indoor and outdoor work for both teams. Um, so I think that makes it a little different. And a lot of the outdoor programs are currently using exclusively their indoor players on their outdoor roster. And so those those players are definitely going to be in training a lot of the time. Katie, I'm curious, uh, you've been at a couple of stops throughout your coaching career, and I've been at Kenyon for a few years. What are some of the challenges that you faced there that you know were different, that they didn't even have to deal with at University of Georgia or maybe at Dartmouth, and how do they compare? Well, at the school that I'm at now, and what we see with a lot of D3s is um, we're very tuition-driven. Uh, we're actually... Um, it's kind of a, a split in D3. There's a group that are already considered tuition-driven where they have to have eight or ten kids in every recruiting class just to fund the school. Um, where I'm at, we're more cost-prohibitive, so we're tuition-driven in a slightly different manner where our you know, our, our school tuition is about $58,000 a year, um, and we are more than 50% of our student population are considered full pay, so they don't even apply for financial aid. Um, so we have to find a group of kids that fit in both the financial need of the school, the academics. You know, we're looking at considerably higher academic standards than most institutions. And so that makes for a really different um, approach to recruiting. So I spend a lot of time on the road looking for kids that have 4.0 GPAs and come from wealthy areas. So I almost fell out of my chair. 58K? <laughs> yeah, we'll be 57.9 next year. Oh, oh. Boy, start saving for college now, guys. It's getting expensive. Fifty-eight thousand dollars. Oh, what am I getting there? Did I get a Rolls Royce? <laughs> Something like that. You can oh, get a really good alumni network and a whole lot of job offers. 
I guess. So yeah, tell us. acceptance right into medical school. If you were if you were to try and bring a beach team to Canyon, I, I know the challenges associated with your head coaching position, but what do you think it would bring to the college, either from a standpoint of advertising or notoriety with the players, which is the case with any program, but what about facilities? It seems like that's a facility, and we talked about this last week, that could be utilized by a variety of different entities on campus, not just the team. It seems like sand is a pretty good sell from a standpoint of constructing yet another campus service, not just a competition facility for another athletic team. Well, for me personally, it would be constructing another athletic facility on our campus would be very problematic from the academic side. Uh, the more money we pour into athletics, the more concern we see from the academic side about you know, where are our priorities. Um, and so for us, I, honestly, we would have to do it. I mean, it's it's 41 degrees here right now. We would have to have some form of indoor facility to even be able to compete or practice. Finding the funding for that at a school where, you know, they're more worried about building our endowment versus adding any physical space outside of dorms to our campus would be really difficult. Um, and so for us, that's it, it really wouldn't even be on the docket. You know, regardless of who could use it, it wouldn't be something that our school would ever consider. Do you think that sand is a positive for women's volleyball in the collegiate setting overall? You know, I love beach volleyball. Um, you know, I, I play in leagues here. There are facilities in Col the Columbus area where I live. Um, I think it is a good thing, but I think we kind of went around it the wrong way. Um, I think if they had backbuilt, if you look at, you know, they considered an emerging sport, and if you look at the history of emerging sports through the NCAA, um, they were all put in place back in 1991, and about half of them have failed to even make it to the level where they could be sponsored for championships. And so there's some sports that have been on the emerging list for over 15 years and still don't have a championship. And so the, the concern for me is I think they thought, well, this is an easy solution. We can get a sport on the docket for the emerging list. This will be great without considering that they probably needed their own separate entities in terms of breaking it away from an indoor sport. You know, when you piggyback it onto the indoor sport and you're sharing budgets and you're sharing coaching staff, it makes it really difficult for it to ever kind of survive on its own. And I feel like if we had gone about it, like making sand very separate from the indoor game to start with, I think we'd have had more success. Katie Charles, thanks very much for offering your opinion here. We appreciate you uh, being honest about the discussion. We love that here on the Net Live, and that's what this is for, is an opportunity for people to really throw out topics there and, uh, and spend some time on them. Thanks for participating in Coach's Corner today. All right, thank, All right, you. thank you. Thanks, Katie. Cool, Katie Charles from Kenyon College, which, again, is not in Africa. It's in Ohio, folks. It's awesome. Here on College Coach's Corner. When you recruit kids, you just take them right to the student store and show them the shirt and be like, this is what you can wear. Yeah. It's funny. After uh, you pay 58 k That's where you get a T-shirt. <laughs> wow. Or Parasite. Or a trip to Africa. I like that Parasite quote. It was good. It reminded me of something. I was talking with someone in the volleyball world this weekend. And I was thinking about beach volleyball, discussing beach volleyball and some of the things that are going on with them. And I've been watching The Wire, old HBO series. Great show. If you've watched season one, there's a character, Bubs. He's a drug addict. And like most drug addicts, he says that things are going to be different this time. And I think beach volleyball is a drug addict. <laughs> it's because a drug. they keep coming back going... It's going to be different this time. Just give me a few bucks. It, it'll be totally – I'm fine. I'm getting clean. And the next thing you know, they're stealing your couch. <laughs> <laughs> just, if 
the AVP came into my house and stole my couch, I would be bitter. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, then they're right off. back on the street. And this is not the athletes, so athletes, please don't get upset. I'm not calling you guys drug addicts, but yeah. your sport functions like a drug addict. Yeah, Gardhoff posted a link to the new AVP schedule, so I want to <laughs> direct you to that. Make sure you check that one out. It, am I uh, off base here in thinking that AVP does function in that way or the beach volleyball does function in that way? They keep coming back going, no, 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 we got it figured out. It's going to be different. Then they go right back to doing the same thing. Next thing you know, they're scoring a gram on the corner, and you wonder where they went. The drug addict reference is highly entertaining. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> um, it's the idea here on the show. Even when I first started with the AVP, um, there was so much turnover after every single season in the office. Yeah. And you were losing quality people and still bringing quality people in, but the new people came in and had the same ideas as the old people. Right. And they're like, well, it's going to be different this time because you're bringing in – because you're new. You're like, oh, well, we're going to try this. And yes, it sounds great on paper. But right. when it keeps failing over and over again, when you're doing the same thing, something needs to change. I, get, I can't tell you how many times – I have players now calling me, I think because of the show. Asking me what's like what's going on. Like I'm gonna know more than a lot of other people. We keep are. posting updates. Yeah, like I may I may hear rumors, but it doesn't mean I'm not gonna report on rumors because it doesn't. I've heard six events. I've heard two events. I've heard no events. I've heard yeah, well, we talked to Adam Roberts a couple of weeks ago. He won the NVL Malibu event, I think, in 2011. Correct. Yep. And uh, he has really a good, you know, pulse on the on what's going on out there because he has been playing for a while and he's from uh, Myrtle Beach, or he, he lives in Myrtle Beach half the year, and, and so he knows a lot of those guys from out there, and he's doing the same thing. Remember, he, we were asking him what he's training for, because that's what he's doing, and that's one of my first questions that I ask everybody that's... He's training to become an assistant coach well, in the Yeah, they're, team. they're training, yeah. right? Um, and I did, by the way, get some confirmation from Ferbs. He is semi-retired. He will probably play in one or two more local events to kind of get that last feeling on center court where that will be as we've highlighted constantly who knows but you know maybe hermosa maybe manhattan nbl sent me an email yesterday wishing me happy easter and it had their three events there's a texas event there's the hermosa event and there's one more that i'm totally blanking on currently at the moment mason ohio Yes. That's fewer than we had seen before. Although well, they had, are well, remember, yeah, adult, college. Al- Albert yeah. said three, gonna be major pro, and then there's the Vegas, Vegas one, right. That'd be pro, the fourth. That's not an open. Right. Well, um, there's a whole month-long college event, really a, a war of attrition. Yes. Um, but one is, of course, I think the one in Texas is corresponding with the collegiate event. Oh, really? Yes. And then you have Hermosa, which is the week before the Manhattan Beach open. So we have schedules on those. Actual date. Well, Manhattan Beach, yes. Manhattan Beach, for sure. Okay. Any any news on the FIVB event in Long Beach? Has anybody heard? Not heard anything know, new. I know that was yeah, on the schedule, but is there – I've heard a lot that that schedule doesn't really mean amount to a whole lot if it doesn't show up, right, when, it, when the event is scheduled. From what I've heard, I'm pretty confident that event will happen. What happened? Maybe this year not, but next year, who knows? Be, be, or, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Next year, for sure. This year, who knows? Because they're upset, such a time crunch, but it appears from the schedule it will happen this year. It's all conjecture, as everything else with beach volleyball right now is. Look, any event, I do not believe it's going to happen until it's actually there. Yeah, this, this year. I would not. I mean, honestly, like, and it's not a dig at anybody. I'm just saying, like, 
why would you count on anything until I go down to the beach and see somebody siding out? A tournament actually going yeah. off. Exactly my point. And again, I keep saying this, and I it's like beating my head against the wall. Nobody is changing the business model for these tournaments. Yeah. Nobody is. Albert's done some things different with attaching on to other events, but he's still sponsor-reliant. Yes. Which, yes, we all, everybody's going to need a sponsor, but until you can get away from not 100% relying on sponsor money, this is how it's going to be. Hmm. So or sponsor money is not going to be for that long. Sponsor money is the mess, or the yellow caps. <laughs> yes. And we have our addict who has to has to get a fix. If they don't get a fix, they're done. And I don't know if that works. We're going to find out. Everybody keeps saying, like, oh, you need to get TV. Well, we had TV. You have to pay for TV nowadays. You don't get TV. No doubt. Everybody thinks, oh, you got to get on TV and get you know TV to put up. TV doesn't put up money. You pay for production now. The only people who get paid to be on TV are the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. And NBA. I think even NHL, they, I guess NHL probably gets paid, right? When was but, the last time you saw NHL on TV? You, I see Chicago with the Blackhawks, lots of them. Yeah. I, but highlights or it was on regular TV? Oh, the game's on all the time, but it's on an obscure channel. NBC Sports-ish. No, it's on. I mean, hockey's on, so hockey's still in that in that area. Sorry Everybody to, else sorry is to Kim Kerr. I cannot find hockey on TV here. It's still the, <laughs> it's still the big four. You can find curling on and TV. And L.A. Too. has the reigning champions. Yeah. I was watching curling again in Canada. Again, you cannot. Where's Paul Baxter? Isn't I can. It? No, you would not. Cam Kerr believes in me. He's a what? true Canadian. That Paul Baxter, curl? suck it. I'm that he can right land it right in the middle. No not way. A cha- not a you gave chance. me 100 shots. Yeah, not one of them is going to land in the middle. Absolutely curling. one of them is no. going in the middle. No. I'm a big fan of curling. Winter Olympics come around. If we find sport. a curling, if someone finds me a curling hall and a day I'm available, I'm showing up. If Hopefully, Paul Baxter, if he's listening, because sometimes he does, or somebody who, I will hit him up on Facebook. 100 stones. 100. They're stones, by the way. 100. So stones. And then you can give me... Forty bucks from the twenty you owe me earlier from the song you know, <laughs> plus twenty more from you not being able to land it in the middle. A hundred shots, I put one in the middle. I put it in the middle, right about number forty-seven. And at least one out of every ten times, you're going to fall on your ass. No. Yes. I grew up in Chicago. We slide on ice all the time. I don't care. I know you people out here. As soon as there's a little dab of something like you're, a banana peel, you're, you're going down. You're tall and goofy. Your knee is broken. You're going down. <laughs> Correction: knees. Knees are broken. Both. Okay. Both. We're coming up against it, huh? I think somebody should drink because of that conversation. Yeah, why, why quit now? Well, I have a. I want to go back to my earlier question about the USA Volleyball uh, physical location and the ability. Yes, good. I had John, circled it here. You had circled it. Uh, you know, the, just the Anaheim location, the locale, contributing to the ability to, to have a dual role. If that's in Colorado yes. Springs, does that happen? No. Not at all? No. Doesn't happen. Are we at all disappointed that John was the only option that really kind of came to the forefront? Not that he was the only option. Right. But that he was the only option. Right. If you have to parse sense. it. There. Doesn't make right. People have to Does parse it. Was that an echo? No. It <laughs> makes total sense. <laughs> you never know on the show. Yeah. No, but the fact that they, they couldn't find anyone and John had been killed off Early on, quite some ago, in the fall, right? John had been killed off as an option. Yeah. Well, because and it goes all the way until three yeah. weeks ago. 
before John is brought back into the conversation. And apparently there are no better solutions that have come up in the past six months. What what does that say? I wonder what the uh, – I think it says all is well that ends well. I, I wonder um, what the okay. other – I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I, I would love to see what the coaching search was like, though, to, to actually get – you know, uh, view into what and was actually happening. on the wall in yeah. Doug's office. What was happening for those? Who are the people, who are some of the names that they threw around and for whatever reason it didn't pan out? And does Doug wear pants when he's sitting behind his desk? <laughs> I don't have that question. That's something uh, yeah, personal. That's, that's, like, I don't even need to know that. Is it like yeah. Anchorman? <laughs> Do we want to uh, release uh, the name that you thought was going to be involved as that second assistant? Because I know you talked about it earlier, and I was curious, but John sort of... John said it's dead. Yeah, it's dead. But that doesn't mean anything in the world of volleyball. Tomorrow it could be back. Yeah, he was dead eight months ago. uh, (laughs) That's right. That's right. Good point. So you should write it down, put it in the sealed envelope, and when it's announced, we'll look at it. Mail it to myself. We'll see if it was correct. We'll we'll wait. Let's wait until it's announced. I would think he would have to... I'll put it out there. I would think he would want to hire somebody with more experience. As opposed to... He said it may come out of left field. Yeah. Well, you know, off the top of my head, I don't, like I said, I don't know if too many of the guys that are out there or gals, but it sounded like potentially a, a male role. Um, I do think Andrew Becker will be involved in some way. I would not be surprised if it were somebody that, you know, somebody else on his staff right now. From UCLA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many of those folks can you have going double duty? Well, Ferbs is a, a volunteer, so that probably frees him up. Yeah, has something to do with that. I don't know. I'm I'm curious. It's just interesting. I wish we had gotten. I wish he hadn't just <laughs> squelched it like immediately. No, that's not happening. Oh, okay. Never mind. I wish Reed would call in so I could pepper him with some questions. Yeah, I thought Reed was going to call in maybe, and maybe he knows. Uh, we could ask him what the turtle was doing in Turkey. Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, he goes to the Turkish Parliament. He's making laws. Yeah. There's a turtle. There's a turtle. In he's the never coming background. back. Yeah, yeah. He's he, off the show. Yeah, are we going to see Taylor Swift this summer? I thought that was happening. I thought you said you were out on that. I'm totally out on it, but I want to see <laughs> if he was serious on it. That's my question. You know, I had an interesting uh, discovery yesterday at my in-laws for Easter, and looking through the pile of magazines there, as I often do, and I came across a 1987 Volleyball Monthly magazine. 1987. 87 on the cover, Karch. Archie. Well, I don't know uh, how many covers he was on. Hitting past somebody. I don't know who it was. 140,000. There's a women's professional league going on at the time. Rita the Rocket Crockett dominating. Now Hall of Fame member. And let's point out that there was a women's tour going on, but it was not part of the ABP. It was indoor. People forget that. It was indoor. Indoor. Team Cup Volleyball had just announced they were going to an all-male format instead of a mixed gender format. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, yeah, USAV was supposed to get on TV more. Uh, boys volleyball wasn't growing fast enough. Uh, the beach tours were struggling. Somebody had won five grand for winning a beach big-time beach tournament, five grand for the pair. Split. 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 Uh, they had the Fab 50 in there, some good names, Brian Ivey. Don't know who he is. Right My on. brother-in-law, Jess Bolger. Don't know who he is. Eric Fanonmoana. I do know who he is. I only hang out. Fab fifty. With, I only hang out with people that have medals, Kevin. Doug West. Is he a basketball player? It was Jeff West. Oh, Volleyball yeah. Monthly inadvertently oh, yeah. printed Doug West. Lucy Daisy. And apparently the next issue had a rebuttal from head coach at Miracosta, Mike Cook. Was he bitter? Bitter. 
Yeah. That they had screwed up and bitter because they put Jeff West at about 45 out of 50. Oh, gotcha. Well, uh, just to add to that, you know, Fenoy and Brian Ivey were both on that team as well. So that's a pretty yeah. legit high school team. Jess Bolger, <laughs> my brother-in-law, setter for that group. Really? Yeah. Supposed to go to Long Beach, never did. Oops. So that was a Miracosta team? Yes, sir. Yeah, Miracosta. They were pretty good is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. The guy who was number one, whose name is escaping me, my brother-in-law told me it was the biggest bust, like, ever. Was all world. Was it... Uh... Lance Stewart? No. Was it? He went to San Diego State, and I guess within a year was out of volleyball. But he was he was apparently like from the age of fifteen or sixteen, dominating adult nationals and stuff, and everybody thought he was just going to be the next coming, winning his church league. And he was gone a year later. That happens. God, I don't have the name right on top. Look up nineteen eighty seven. Uh, Look at that fifty. That's, we're busy, Kevin. You're on the chat board. Somebody else might be able to come up with the name. It was it was awesome. But it was it was interesting to see the mag, you know, it had bullfrog ads, all kinds of sweet. Hugh Foster, Ojan chimes in. Very yes. good. Hugh Foster. Thank you, Ojan. That's what I was thinking of. Hugh Foster. I gotta look up the history of Hugh Foster, but apparently uh a bigger bust has not been found in the world of juniors to collegiate volleyball. Uh but it, it was fun to see all the old ads. Guys in bike shorts playing volleyball essentially. A lot of club sportswear maybe? Were we in the primitive prints yet? Or no? I didn't see primitive prints. Yeah, some fluorescents probably. Uh, yeah, fluorescents were big. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of uh, elements, or not a lot of production value in a lot of what was happening, right? Because okay. production value was tough back then. Not like today, where it's much easier to have on a small scale. You could tell it was a smaller magazine back then, though. But no, it, but no you could also tell it was the rag. Like that was where everything, all the information was that you were getting was right there. That was the whole volleyball world. I am currently not listening to either one of you at the moment. I'm reading something that uh, Mark, whose last name I cannot pronounce, posted on our Facebook page, asking if we can... Malvanco? Yes. If we can establish a solutions forum for the beach volleyball. Solutions forum? Like people to come in and put their ideas like, how do we (laughs) fix a sport? But what it reminded me of was... 12-step program, maybe? This morning I woke up and I read an interesting article about... Um, Kickstarter. Do you know this? Yes. yes. I did not see the article, but I know what Kickstarter is. Warner Brothers Music is now, if you're an artist, all of their albums are going up on Kickstarter, so the fans will be paying for the albums. They're right. not pre-purchasing the album. They're basically paying the upfront money, and if artists get an X amount of money, and they, then they get officially signed to the label. And, and they, they make the pushed, album. They make the album. So Warner Brothers has become a pimp. Well, let me let me explain something. Well, if you deliver the money to me and I'll take care of you. But if you know the way the music industry is working, this is out of the box thinking and yeah. why not? Cuz they're the number 3 out of the 3 biggest record labels. Okay. My question though is could you do a volleyball tour this way? Potentially, yeah. Sure. Why not? Throw it up on Kickstarter. Yeah. Say this is what we need. The fans have to pony up the money. Yeah. Obviously. But they need something in return. There may be stock. There's something they have to get something back for sure. Mm-hmm. But that's something that's thinking outside the box. It is thinking outside the box. What would they get in return? I don't know. What do you get for investing in the Kickstarter for Warner Brothers Music? <laughs> that I don't know. An why. album for sure, because that's usually how Kickstarter works. You get behind a product for a donation, you get a right. first run version right. of that product. Correct. And if you're a true fan of this artist, then you're help. You are establishing yourself as like I just um here's ten bucks. Yeah, I'm helping them to get. Yeah, I'm helping this group 
to go as far as I want them to go. So you have that sense of pride, I guess. Kickstart the net live coming to you soon. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so it's just a thought. Kickstarter is interesting because they've had actually problems. Not Kickstarter, but people who've put their stuff up there, they mm. get too many responses. Too much. They money. want to raise 50 grand. They raise 700, and now they have to deliver that many of the item, and it's they're not able to. How, but that's a good problem I would to think have. You'd be able to cap it. You should be able to. Ca- I mean, yeah, you can stop it. Well, and that's what Kickstarter has to do now. They need to. There's some code they have to put in the background for the music side of it now. Because there's going to be percentage. They're going to get a percentage of it. Record labels get a percentage. I don't know how it all works. Artist gets a penny. Artist always gets screwed, for sure. But this is another way where, like, if you get it done this way, you're not beholden to the – you don't owe the record label money. Because back in the day, the record label will give you $100,000 signing. You signed. Okay, now the record label wants that hundred grand back before you make a dime. They want – a million dollars back. They want 10 times their money. Correct, but right. you're not getting your money back until right. they get their money back. And they had to go through all kinds of people, and they had to have the big ones. They really had to make a lot of money off the big one in order to offset all the $100,000 deals they gave out that didn't work out. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Correct. It, it's an interesting place. I was reading about publishing. Publishing worked the same way. They would sign a bunch of authors, have some some prepayments. I forget what it, what it's they called. They give you a sub bonus. Yeah, you get, this now, but we'll mm-hmm. give you a million Options. Dollars. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they would have all that, but then the big ones that hit, they would have to make all that money back plus profit Correct. from the ones that hit to offset the others. Well, a lot of artists now, artists, authors, who are big, Radiohead, yep. uh, Stephen King. They own their own publishing. Right. They go direct to consumer. Once they build a following, so here they, they get in with a publisher, they build a following, then they build a following, then they jump ship and they do their own mainline thing. Yeah. That's the new model. Yeah. If you're not able to go straight out. I mean, you always hear these stories about people, uh, who is it, Owl City in his basement in Minneapolis mixing beats, and all of a sudden he's got a hit and he's opening for John Mayer and all that stuff, right? Now, you that hear works. these stories, but that's like winning the lottery. It's the same as winning Powerball is getting that done. Uh, but the more traditional route at this point is to go into the traditional route, be it uh, the publisher or the record label. Mm-hmm. Then once you build a following, jump off that and go do your own thing, which leaves the record label a bit in the lurch, but they cry more than they really But here, the record label now wants you to have a following before you're signed. They're not building... No, they're trying to do that. Well, they're not because they can't... They want to eliminate their downside. Back in the day, it was Michael Jackson's records, the Rolling Stones records, that supported all the other artists that they signed to develop them. You don't have that anymore. Right. So there's no developing artists anymore. I don't care what any record label says. Any major record label. They're not developing artists. You need to come in with 100,000 fans before they even look at you. Better do some more work, like I say you're doing this week on your uh, DJ set. You you and Batman at the desk. Two Batmans, three rubber ducks. A lot of toys. Good branding, though. Wait wait a second. How do rubber ducks outnumber Batman? How does that work for you? The rubber duck started out as a joke. Okay. (laughs) Kind of like this show. Yes. Now it's like your mascot. Yeah. Uh, DJ Styles, now known as DeCapo, who is my production partner. That's why the duck is on the shirt. No. Isn't there a duck thing? No. We did a pool bar. It's a bird. We did a pool party, Bird, okay. and the joke was everybody that brings a rubber duck to a pool party gets a free hug from Tim, my other DJ. Ooh. And so people brought ducks. And now, the cap Tim. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, like people just randomly bring me ducks. The two ducks that were on my speakers in that photo, they glow in the dark. Nice. And they have a timer on them. You can set a timer, and they'll go off in an hour. Wow. I like it. Yeah. So if you're going to bring me a rubber duck, it better be legit. <laughs> Top end. Top yeah. end duck. Yeah. I don't mess around here. A lot of volley today. Started like, off when we had NASCAR like involved. 35 but. minutes of volley to start yeah. the show. It was weird. Really? Well, we had two weeks. What happened? In, so. 
No call from Reed, though. I was hoping that he would call in with some inside, you know, intel or at least I would like to know feedback on the yeah, his, hire. his response. Yeah, exactly. And hear about the Turkish Cup. No doubt. Are people giving him the Turtle Cup? Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we should do. Everybody send Reed a turtle. <laughs> Your choice. Don't make it a live one. Yeah. I'm looking at my calendar, and I'm thinking that next week we're going to be back with yet another program. We're going to have Todd Goronsky, who is doing some interesting stuff up there in Milwaukee with uh, Bradford Beach. Bradford Beach. We'll have him here on the show. He has uh, some big plans, and they're just coming out in the public, putting together uh, some new opportunities. He's kind of just kind of shaking off some of the tours, right? A bit. Yeah. I think he's It'll be interesting up. to hear from him. I think he's fed up. So we'll have him. Uh, we'll endeavor to get Matt Furbringer in the next couple of weeks and keep an eye towards John Spraw and you who like he chooses. Justin and I talk to Matt. We're good friends with him. Yeah. I'll just walk down the street and knock on the door. Yeah. How about that power couple of coaching, though? His wife, Joy. Yeah. I mean, geez. Look at that. They've, done, kids, well. They've done well for them. Those kids better grow up and just siding out. Charlie and Mateo just guests, you know they're in the uh um Mizuno Long oh, yeah. Beach the Mac pipeline. Absolutely in there just peppering balls yeah. every day after school. Three years old just Yeah, just I... yeah. Required, you get ten lashes. Yeah. <laughs> Rist away down the line. And yeah. brother in law Dave McKenzie, just Olympian. Serving, showing, showing serving balls, just serving balls at them. <laughs> I don't care if you're five, pass that. <laughs> My forearms hurt. Shut up. Speaking of balls. Yes. Oh, of I course. trained with the FIBB. The Macasa? Yeah. You First time I'd ever touched it. Yeah, I do train. Dustin, I, I want to get better at everything I do. Okay. Um, me and Rich. You know oh, yeah. Rich. I do know Rich. Um, Rich first Lee. time I'd ever touched that ball. Yeah. Ever. Not as grotesque as I was initially prepared for it to be. Oh. But you didn't play indoor ever. Correct. So did the ball look like yes, the movements looked, it was making, stuff like that? I set butter, and every time I set, because the way the the ball is shaped, it looks like it's spinning. I'm like, I don't, it didn't spin. Hmm. This is the pattern? Yeah, pattern on the ball. So Passing was definitely a little bit different. There yeah. was one time I got served, and I was like, it's coming, I was, there was no doubt in my mind it was going to hit me right as an arm. It was a float serve. Ball dropped a foot in front of me. Yeah. One full foot. <laughs> is the benefit for you then, if you set it and it looks like it's spinning, when you hit it now, does it look like it's spinning too? Kevin, I'm good. <laughs> I've only ever seen one photo. It looked like high spatchy to me. Oh, that ball totally hit the ocean. <laughs> There's no doubt. High hands. You gotta totally, swing high yeah. hands. High hands. Sometimes yeah. you gotta do There's no block up, but I was swinging high hands. Yeah. Um but the ball wasn't as hateful. But I can okay. see I still like the Wilson one better. Okay. Speaking of balls. The Wilson one, which college now. It's college. Yeah, it doesn't ball. exist. No, it's, co- it's, oh, it's college. college. Yeah, they use it. Okay. Yep. When you handle balls, you prefer Wilson's? Yeah. Yes, my ball skills are legit. <laughs> Another great day. Well, there was discussion about that. I was trading emails with speaking of balls with uh, Matt Gardhoff about those kind of euphemisms or jokes mm-hmm. that that had been put up there. You know, volleyball players do it better on the floor, stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, some of the social media stuff that's been out there over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I, I think it will be an interesting discussion. We're going to save for next week just about the role of social media and the challenges associated with social media and some of the failures or, quote, inappropriate things that have been put up on social media by organizations and how easy that is to do and who judges what's inappropriate. Uh, we've got a couple of pictures and things to, to look at. But it's a very interesting world 
of promotion for every sport, obviously. It gets discussed all the time that Twitter is a part of ESPN constantly uh, or any other reporting, and they're bringing on people via Skype for Oprah or whatever. They've been doing that for years. But the, the managing of they that. they get feedback? Sorry. Yeah. Skype on Oprah. Sorry. Continue, Ken. Sorry. <laughs> well, we talked uh, with April about it a couple of weeks ago because yeah. she's very active on Twitter, and she even mentioned, you know, she has learned the hard way a couple of, a couple of things to not put on there, right? right? I meant to ask her behind the scenes, like, what those what, things yeah, were. Yeah, what they were. I'm saying political. Who, I'm saying political. Yeah, definitely. So that'd be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's what she said. Is is politics? It's kind of the third rail, right? I would think so, but I want like let's have a discussion about it. You know, what I'm saying like if you don't agree with me, that means we can't be friends. Right. Interesting. No. Well, at least if that's that the was environment the case, today. If that was the case, Kevin and I would never speak to each other. That's the not. environment today. Yeah. By, uh, by the way, I sort of ended up on politics with the people next to me on the way back from Chicago Ooh, on Saturday that, night. How'd that work out? They were drunkard and skunks. Awesome. <laughs> this woman got on. She was hammered. Hammered. <laughs> I'm standing there, and she looks at my shirt. I had on a actually a volleyball shirt. She goes, "Are you in the Olympics?" I'm like, "Yep." Really? They recognize you? No, no, no. Just the shirt. Oh, and, oh gotcha. And uh, sorry. Sat down, and then proceeded to you know, I'm not gonna talk your ear off the whole time, but <laughs> just pass out, please, just pass out. <laughs> She's still awake. I'm watching the wire. She's from still Chicago, awake. by the way. It's like a four-hour flight. Here yeah, comes a lot of talk. Here comes the cart. She goes. Uh, she's there with her husband, who's also drunk as a skunk and wearing complete sweatpants. On Easter? <clears throat> this is Easter? Oh, no, you can't fully home Saturday. Saturday night. This, yep. He's wearing sweatpants. And I'm not talking like a nice pair of, like, you know, you have a uniform, Look, Sergio Takai or something. The or way a, you fly now, you might as well just wear a tank top and sweatpants. <laughs> I'm wearing hot pants, just, like, super tight, see what we're looking yeah. at. They anyway. are making classy sweatpants, though, for flights. Continue. These were I'm not sorry. classy. These were gray with the, kind of, you know, elastic, very billowy elastic and then elastic at the bottom. At the bottom. Sweet. Absolutely. And... A little too short. And he's wearing those, and she's just drunk as hell and asking me all these questions. Was she good looking? And the, uh, Okay, continue. If I was drunk. So <laughs> the cart comes by, and she says, I'll, I'll take uh, red wine and one for my husband. Yes. Keep it going. A- actually, make it four. <laughs> make it four. Yeah. Two for each. You no, know, I got Upgrade, you. yeah. I was like, whoa. Were you in first class? No, so it was I had the bulkhead right behind first class. It was going to cost her a lot of money. So she orders these things. She's drinking them the whole time. She's And then she's going on and on about something as though no one else is around super loud, which is hilarious. This is when we're landing. Yeah. As we're landing, there are, are red you? wine bottles rolling around the floor by her feet. Where are your wife and kids at this point? They were on another flight, same time, because we were on free tickets. Oh, okay, deal. gotcha. So you flew so solo. I spent miles for them, and for me, I was on a work ticket coming gotcha. home. Gotcha, gotcha. But it was just hilarious. She was so wasted. <laughs> Absolutely wasted. Especially on a four-plus-hour flight where, like, you cannot get away. No. Headphones and the wire saved me for a while. There you go. Have you had a drunk flight experience with someone? Post it on our Facebook page, <laughs> facebook.com yeah. slash the net live. We don't Tell care us about, about Bali. Tell no. us about your drunk Tell flight. us about your drunk flying experience, either you or someone you know being a little too inebriated and what happened I've sent on the flight. I've players on the way home from tournaments. I think a U.S. national team player actually got tossed from a flight one time for being a little too I so hope belligerent. It, I so hope it was Oops. Reed, but I doubt it. Yeah. No, that would be if someone got tossed for standing up and evangelicalizing the... the Reed, I, 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 we've been to Reed's house. Proselytizing. Been to Reed's house. I, I know what he likes to drink. Oh, he's, yeah. Seven. Yeah. I can yeah. see him getting after it. Seven, oh, yeah? seven. Yeah. He sent me some pictures of where he's at, by the way. Right now? 
No, not right now, no, but this weekend. Call Boy, it looks nice. Reed will be finishing his career in Turkey in beautiful weather. Good for him. Cam Kerr said something interesting on the chat board about the – when we were speaking about balls, the FIVB ball. Yes. That the NVL signed with Mikasa, but it's not the same ball. So it's their own NVL ball? Different colors or different – I mean, it's going to be different colors for sure, but it's not the same – the way he's saying it is he doesn't think it's the same structure of the ball, hmm. which would be interesting to me because I think you would want to make it the same because then it's not that difficult for the international players going from – FIVB to the NBL. Maybe they're not allowed to. That could be a good point. Yeah, it might be exclusive. exclusive. You can't use the FIVB ball in other tournaments, maybe. Exclusivity. I get it. Another yeah. reason why the sport fails, because there's nine different balls, eight different tours, a lot of different Could rules. you imagine how difficult it would be to no turtles. keep track of it? If you just like were coming in, you're like, oh, what is this, volleyball? Wait, why are they playing to It's difficult 21? for us. Wait, we're why the are sport. they using a different ball? Yeah. Wait. And they can't agree if it's games or sets. Yeah. But in CBVA out here, they've been playing to 28. One set what? to 28. Yep. Let's think about it. First of all, if you call it one, more, one set, there's no such thing Hold as on. one set. 28, 21, 25, 7. That's the issue. That's 15. Issue. What else? I'm leaving the show because I hate volleyball now. What else? Uh, what else? 15, 7, I'm 25, 21, 28. What else have we played to in the sport of volleyball in recent memory? Not 30. even historically. 30. Thank I, you, I college. Played, I played the 30 in the college. 30. Yep. That was the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> 30. How about, why not 31? Why not? That's six different scores, potentially. And why, once we went to rally score, did you bother still having it be 15 in the fifth set? Why? Yeah. I don't know. It's all rally score. Just I play to 25 man. again. I don't know. Don't ask me these difficult questions. Or play to seven. Go to seven. It's opening day of Dodgers opening day. Nobody cares Here's what I want somebody to do. Here's a volleyball home, assignment. Nobody, nobody cares, cares about volleyball, and yet we, people listen to this show. Here's a volleyball assignment for our, people for our care listeners. about baseball is because it's America's pastime. If you've hung on to this 20 minutes of nonsense, please. That's <laughs> the best part of the show, Kevin. On our Facebook page this week, post as, as complete a list as you can come up with of the different volleyball entities, indoor and outdoor, that have existed in the United States. My head hurts just thinking about it. All the women's professional leagues that they've tried to start or have started for one to two years. All the men's professional leagues that allegedly existed or did, didn't ever actually play a game but existed in in concept and funding for a while. There think a, about it. There was a clock at one point. The rally, uh, yeah, the rally the clock. clock. Yeah. And then if you can think of another number, Just post it besides 28, TV. 21, 25, 7, 15, and 30, and the Powerball of 51 – what, what other number can you come up with that they've played to? I'm sure historically there's another number. What does indoor do in the Olympics? 25 and 15. What does beach do in the Olympics? 21. 21 and 15. Yep. That's how it should be for everybody But it's else. to three, right, isn't it, in the Olympics? Best of three. Best of three. We're best of five. Fine. Indoor. That, those, those, I'm, I can live with those two things. Why isn't it just 21 for three straight? Why isn't it 25 for five straight if you had to? Why Why the all of a sudden 15? Why? It's all rally score now anyway. It's an extra five minutes. It adds more pressure. To have it, Well, then why not three? Really, really crank the pressure up. First to three. The fact that you, I like that you're thinking Takes outside, it all. I like that you're thinking outside the box. Sudden death but point. But I hate your suggestion. How about golden, <laughs> golden point? There's golden goal. We have golden point. Yeah. The double finals. The ball drops from the ceiling onto the net level. It's joust to win it. They do that golden game or whatever. Didn't, didn't read. Yeah, they play like a double golden final. Set. Yeah. Double yeah. finals. Like a double final. 
I like How the golden that? joust. No such thing as a double. There's a double shot. It's a violation. <laughs> All right. Good TV. If you're looking for good TV. Check out the Dodger game. If you're looking for good television, Game of Thrones Season 3 just started. Just finished Season 1 and 2. It's unreal. I need to save up a few episodes oh. before I watch. I can't just watch one at a time. You need to mainline something? Yeah. I do. I'm a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> you love beach volleyball. And with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your new introduction has yeah. been coined. DJ Roche. I'm a drug addict. That's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I have uh, such good stuff for the intro. I just haven't had time to do it yet. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> this is like the fourth hour of the Today Show. It's just us sitting around. All the important stuff is over. The best part of the show. Do you care about opening day baseball? Me? I don't care. It's fun to go to if you've ever been. If I was broadcasting it, I, I would be all about it. Just like beach volleyball. Yeah, baseball is one of those things that's so much better to be there True. than to be just watching it on TV. Correct. It's tough to sit down and be entranced by four hours of baseball. Just like... NASCAR is way better live. Way better live. Way better. Although I like you guys are on board now. Why haven't you been to a Supercross? You know, Jeremy, you could have hung on. You know, I you was in three hours. You I know invited what? you. I was Dude, in. I've been up since like listen to this. three. Kevin's gonna get angry at me. A.M. Oh okay. sweet. St. Patrick's Day weekend. Shut your mouth. Oh, keeping. I was in Indianapolis. Were you there for the Supercross event that was going on in Indianapolis? Two was weeks. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Or there was a Supercross there. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. You were there. I was there too. Then why do you come to the race? Yeah, see. <laughs> I had nobody there. I could have gotten you tickets. Yeah. When's the next local one? I went to the Lakers game instead. Next year. Vegas in beginning of May. You want to come out? Oh, no. Never mind. Can't get you tickets for that. Sorry. He might be in Vegas. I got shut down sure, already. He might be in Vegas. I got shut down for that one. Uh, it's the finals. It sells out. Yeah, that's totally understandable. So you how about no, no Monster Energy Cup in October? Sure. October 19th. Will you let me know when we're going Where's to Where's that? IE? Huh? The IE? No, Vegas. Will you let me know when we're going to Germany? i got to work on that. Yeah, Ken Novak, I owe you an email. I know it. I can't go the 18th weekend. Other than that, let's do this. We'll look up the dates we get off air here because it's not fun to look up dates or stuff on the Internet. The weekend after that, there's a Bali event, supposedly in Manhattan Beach, but I'm not. Hold your, hold your breath for that one. I think that one will happen. The one, right? They have to. Yep. Okay. I think we've exhausted everything. It is opening no, day for baseball. I'm it was opening night last night, actually. So yeah. enjoy that if you're into baseball. Get out. Hopefully it gets a little bit warm. Spring has not sprung. You heard Katie Charles in Ohio, 41 degrees. It's about the same in Chicago. Yeah. It supposedly is going to pick up. Did, out uh, here, it's still a little cool, too. Yeah. Did your waitress from two weeks ago show up at Wilco? She did. Cam, got she her did. two tickets. That's yeah. right, Cam. We, she, we got her two tickets. Hopefully she enjoyed the race. Although her quote friend that was going to race, yeah, he wasn't there. Hmm. I don't think he's a supercross rider. She's well. Hopefully she enjoyed it. Oh, well, there you go. She had bicycle tattoos all over. It's really weird. Real, like legit, like bicycle. Like bicycle. She was a BMX chick. She had a bicycle bracelet, bicycle tattoo here, bicycle tattoo here. Just so you know, nobody can see that <laughs> here. I, I saw it. Oh, I saw what area. Right back and right shoulder blade. I Why? believe. What? Never mind. Speaking of balls. Let's go. That's it. All right. Play us out. The Net Live. Hope you're getting us via iTunes. We will be back with another program next week. Todd Goronsky telling you about some of the future of how beach volleyball is going to work in the Milwaukee area. And anyone else we dig up, send us your comments or suggestions on Facebook.com slash The Net Live or Twitter.com slash The Net Live. I'm Kevin. He's Dustin. And the other guy is Jeremy. Bye-bye. We'll see you next week. Select
90 seconds. 